The Joe Rogan Experience Podcast is brought to you by Onnit.com. But if you've heard the podcast before, you already know that. So I'll spare you most of the nonsense. If you use the code name Rogan, you get 10% off any and all supplements. And the supplements are the best shit available. The best shit we can find. We sell you the stuff that we actually use. I've been a fan of nootropics long before I ever got involved in being a, a pitch man. But uh, I am a firm believer in healthy diet and nutrients for your body. And I believe that nootropics are beneficial for cognitive function. I take them, um, and that's why we sell them. Alpha Brain is the best combination of nootropics we know how to put together. If there was a better combination, if there was a better way to do it, we would do that way. That's just what we do. The, the whole idea, but that sounded so douchey. That's just what we do. I sound like a girl who's like talking about her team. We win. That's just what we do. I apologize for that. Look, I ad-lib these fucking things, and sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying. It comes out of my mouth, and I'm like, really, dude? Yeah, really, dude. If I had a chance to edit this, it would be way better, but I don't. Uh, all the other shit that we sell, whether it's hemp force, we, we're selling you the best quality hemp protein that is available. It is sweetened with natural sweeteners. It's called stevia. There's like one gram of sugar in a serving. It's completely negligible. And the, the, the beneficial nutrients that you get from it are fantastic. It's got raw cocoa in it which is uh, an excellent antioxidant. It also has maca in it, which is a testosterone booster. It's a very healthy root. So the, 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 the hemp protein powder um, that we sell is the highest quality, highest protein content available. So it's all substantial nutrition, and it tastes fucking great. And we got kettlebells and battle ropes. And go get yourself some grass-fed beef, son. Get your shit together, all right? Get your shit together. Use the code name Rogan. Save 10% off any and all supplements. We are also brought to you by Desquad.tv. Desquad.tv is where the – you ever see those shirts that everybody – where do you get those Desquad shirts that people wear at our shows? Those are all available at Desquad.tv, and they are the creation of Brian Redband. They are 100% his. He doesn't just, it's like, it's not, you're not just buying a shirt from a guy who like commissioned an artist. Like if you, if you buy any of my higher primate shirts, I pay a dude to draw those things. Like Brian actually makes these cats, <laughs> you know, love them or hate them. They're, they're trippy as fuck. And the new one, uh, the, the new cat is my favorite cat for sure. We got to do something with that dude. Oh, wait till you see the newer, newer one that I'm working on right now. I'm, I'm nervous because this one is I'm nervous. Just so how, fucked up. How nervous up. do you think? I'm nervous. It's hard to <laughs> fucking do this. Now I'm like, I got to make it better than the last one. They're so weird. You know, the, the strapped up with dynamite and fucking crazy looks at his last. Like, what is the message here? Like, what the fuck is the message here? Can I also promote that we uh, have a great podcast with Tom Green and Steve-O at DeskSquad.tv right now that we just put as Kat Von D and Dead Mouse on. Oh, that's so, okay. This is. The ones that you've been doing on Mondays, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of great podcasts at uh, Desquan on iTunes. We got Kevin Pereira. If you've ever seen Attack of the Show, Kevin Pereira was the host for the longest time, and now he has one of the best podcasts on the internet. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. The dude is just—he's so smart and he's so cool, and he's just so in the right groove all the time. Yeah, I love talking to that guy, and I love his podcast, and it's called Pointless. And you can catch that on iTunes. And it's all uh, always, all this shit is free. Always free. We'll keep it free. Except my 
comedy special, bitch. You got to pay for that. It's only five bucks, though. You know, when Louis C.K. set out to do it, I think if you have to look at, like, uh, the best comics in the country right now, I'd say Louis C.K. is, like, right at the very top of the heap. So when Louis C.K. puts a, a comedy special out and it's five bucks, you can't make your six. You know, you got to do five bucks too, stupid. You know, or four. Well, how about you be a little humble? Your, your shit's worth about three fifty. you know? But um, the uh, the ability to do that uh, that Louis exposed was uh, huge. I mean, it was just an amazing new thing. Like a light went off in my head when I saw it. I was like, oh my god, that's how I'm doing everything from now on. It's just like I, I wish I'd thought of it myself, but I'm so glad he did. And um, it's available DRM free on JoeRogan.net. It's only five bucks. You can get it. You can use PayPal and Amazon. And uh, I paid for the whole thing. I paid to get it uh, produced and filmed and edited. And you so, can also gift it. Like I sent yeah. one to my dad. <laughs> he just got an he just got an iPad and Apple TV. So now he's all appling it out. So I send him a I send him it. And it goes to his email. He just clicks on it and downloads it, and then he can just you know stream it right to his uh, TV. It's great. I always have that uncomfortable moment when I have to talk to a dude after he's seen my act for the first time, especially like an older guy. Or... <laughs> he's already seen you. Oh really? Remember he saw you like seven years ago when we were there oh, uh, for he... the men of. Men of comedy. Oh, right the, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, we did it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, all right. We'll start this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Andrew Dice Clay is here, bitches. Respect. Respect. Joe Rogan. Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night. All day. <coughs> New Year's Eve, you dirty fucks. It's going down. Andrew motherfucking Dice Clay. Where it will be? How, the, how can they see it? Showtime. 10 showtime. PM. 10 p.m. On Showtime. On Showtime. Is this something you've, you've already filmed? This is not going to be Yeah, no, I've show. filmed this already. Yeah. You uh, say you were very happy with it. Really happy with it. But, I, you know, I really stayed on it from beginning to end. I had a concept, you know, that I wanted to do, as far as I'm concerned, the most, like an ultimate rock and roll stand-up show to really bring excitement you know, because like you, you know, you're very animated on stage. You know, you're all over the place. You move. You know, you can yeah. see there's life in you. <laughs> you know, and that's like the one thing that always bothered me about comedians that they don't know too much about performance art, especially, you know, when the cameras are rolling. Everybody thinks they're great, and then the cameras turn on and they stand like a fucking mummy. Yeah. You know, so I really wanted to give a real edgy rock and roll special and. You know, as you've met before, my sons, you know, L.A. Rocks opens the show. Um, Eleanor Kerrigan, you know, who opens my, my shows, is in the special, which you never even see an opening act in a one-hour special. And it's just from the, the second it starts to the second it ends, it's just exciting and it's fucking funny. You know, and that's that's what I wanted to deliver. I wanted to give people something that... You know, especially, you know, the way the world is today, the whole political correctness fucking shit, you know. And I wanted, I made sure there is nothing politically correct about this special. <laughs> you know, because, you know, when <clears throat> comics are being put on trial yeah. for telling, you know, a gay joke or a black joke. And, you know, now now the whole world, what do you think, you know, when, when TMZ stopping you, go to, what do you think of, you know... You know, Tosh, you know, Daniel Tosh saying this show. I go, it's a fucking joke. Isn't that the point? Are yeah. we allowed to comment uh, on what goes on socially, you know, in the world? 
And since when is someone joking and being serious at the same time? Since when is that a real statement? When someone's saying something that's obviously ridiculous, they don't really mean that. You're so stupid you can't interpret that. You can't, you know, why are we... And why we're not we... running for office exactly. with comedians. And, and the idea is that when, when someone says something offensive that's a joke... The idea is that somehow it's the exact same thing as saying something offensive about a person, whether it's a racist thing or a gay thing, for yeah, just not, for we're being not in cruel. The street having an argument, yeah. and calling somebody a name. No, we're you know, saying it for an effect. That's right, and it's, it's an art form. Yeah, and and people, you know, this is you know a time where people need to really yes. laugh. You know, I I really wanted the New Year's Eve spot because I also know, you know, especially because that hurricane happened on the East Coast. And I know a lot of people don't go out. It's house parties. Right. And I just want their stomachs to fucking hurt from the things I'm saying on that stage. But listen, I saw you in Vegas. Me and Norton and um, Red Band was Anthony. With you. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, Red Band came. Sam uh, from uh, Opie and Anthony's show. And we had the fucking best time. Because that's like, it's a rare treat for me to be able to go and just sit down and be an audience member. And enjoy it. Yes, at a, at a, at a great show. And, and no, oh. you're seeing somebody that won't hold oh, back no it, matter where. You know, the first time I even <laughs> did Vegas years ago... Uh, for you know, for the comedy store when the comedy store was at the Dunes, I got fired the second night. You know, for language. You know, and you know, is this you? Is this the new special? Yeah, this is. The I new love special. it. Yeah, I wanted. You know, I didn't. I didn't wear anything too intense as far as an outfit. I didn't want to go with the Elvisy jackets. You know, I right. wanted it very street. I wanted the stage to look street, you know. <laughs> the yeah, show you put on in Vegas was fucking awesome. I really enjoyed well, the shit out of it. Well, that's why I prepared for this. You know, yeah. I prepared for it in Vegas and around the country. But I did, you know, this past year, I did 28 weeks in Vegas. You know, I just wanted it tight because as good as you think you might be when the cameras are rolling, like I said, you are going to fuck up a little. You know, yeah. you know like I, I was doing this one bit where I left out a whole chunk of the bit because I was so into, like, performing for the crowd that after the show was over, you know, the producers were like, you know, my wife, she goes, you left out this, this, and this. Uh, you know, but that was the warm-up right, show. Right, right, You know, and then the second show, I came out <clears> to just <throat> annihilate the crowd, and the crowd was, you know, it was bedlam. It right. was in, as insane as I was, you know. <laughs> You know, it was very reminiscent of my first special as far as the audience reaction. The energy. Yeah, we did it in Chicago. I mean, the band kicked ass. I do, mean... Do you, you feel know, like you're having like a resurgence? It's it's a complete resurgence. You know, I mean, just by the response of the people. You know, years ago, you know, when I would say certain things with women, you know, it was the, ah, oh, you know, that's wrong to say, you know. And today when I when I... You know, when I tell them what piglets they've become through the years, now they got their fists pumping in the air like, yeah, <laughs> dice, dice. It's you a know. different era, right? People yeah. people are more accepting of fucked up shit now well, because well, of the internet. But also people have changed because yeah. a lot of what I talk about is sexual, you know, and women have changed. They're the ones that wrote the material, you know, that, you know. You know, in this day and age, you know, I, I had a call from a friend of mine that was with a girl, went out with her, thought she was a sweet girl. And, you know, they wound up just doing everything imaginable to each other. And he tells me, so I call her the next day, 
you know, you know, to see how she's doing, you know, letting her know, like, it's not forgotten, like, I want to see you. And she goes, I'll call you right back. And she never even called me again, he said. He goes, I was the one-night stand. But that's how things have changed, that they've become so aggressive, you know, that you can't go by the face. You can't go by, oh, she's got that girl-next-door look, you know, and the next thing you know, she's a contortionist for you, you know, wrapping her feet around the back of her neck while you bang her. You know what I mean? That's what it is today. That didn't exist before? Well, you know what? I didn't have one like that. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know, I haven't hit the contortionist thing. But, you know, I I always thought a woman in the bedroom or, you know, in a subway, wherever you might be banging her at the time, you know, a dressing room, whatever, a cab, a car, whatever, you know, an alley, you know, should be the kind of woman she wants to be. Like that she doesn't have to hold back. Because I always felt like a lot of relationships, you know, like I'm married now for the third time, and I feel a lot of relationships start, you know, splitting apart because people aren't honest at the beginning about what they like, how they like to be. You know, years ago, a woman wouldn't let you know all these little things that might, you know, push her buttons. And sooner or later, she's doing it with some other guy because she's now afraid to tell you what she's about. And, you know, I I would always let a woman know, just be the pig that you are, if I had to say it comedically. You know what I mean? Be what you want to be. I don't judge that way. Yeah, I think slowly but surely everyone's going to just be what they want to be because yeah but but when you when you're in a relationship and you don't start out that yeah. way you know that's where the problems could could arise yeah you know? also people grow in different directions you know that happens too one person will get freakier the other person wants to settle down more well you know what you know i you know i always say to a guy that's with a woman for a bunch of years in the audience i go what are you going to leave her just to fall in hate all over again, you know what I mean? Because it always starts out nice, you know what I mean? And then a couple of years later, it's that fucking money-grubbing hoa <laughs> all the way to plaintiff. Yeah, That's how, how is, I, you know, so... Is it possible to break that chain? How do you break that chain? Well, you know, we're doing good, you know? Me and my wife are doing good. Yeah, she seems happy. She's always smiling. You're always smiling when you're with her. Yeah, she makes me happy. We make each other happy. Is it just a matter of getting the right combination, finding the right two humans? You know what it is? You really do have to to search that out. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and make like we've never had an argument. I mean, she's Latin, you know. Right. You know, I mean, it gets crazy sometimes, but we always know that we're tight. That's what keeps you together. I mean, an argument happens with anybody, but... You got to know that, you know, you got all these other things in the relationship that keep you together. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, if you just... But that's, you know, but that's what I talk, you know, when, I, when I'm on stage, it's a different side of me. It's, you know, it, it's, you know, a, an animal unleashed that when I'm on a stage, I could just have the freedom to say things the way I see it and paint these crazy, almost like pornographic, comedic cartoons for people and they laugh because they know they're doing it. You know what I mean? They know, you know, when you see a couple and you, you do, you know, we're similar in that thing. You say what you feel on stage. And whenever you see those couples that look at each other and laugh, those are the couples that go, how does he know? How does he know what an animal I am? You know what I mean? How does he know this? You know, but that's research. You know, you go through life and you learn different things. Research. 
Yeah, it's got to be research. Yeah, absolutely. Everything is research, really. I was with a contortionist recently, and I thought it would be amazing. I mean, I always pictured it would be amazing, but she's always just really sore, and she always has a fucked up chin because her chin's always on the floor and shit. Like, <laughs> Really? Yeah. And I'm a chin guy. Like, you have to have a – I don't like weak chins where it's just like, you know, and then when it's, it, when it's a nice chin, but it's all, like, scratched up and rashy. Damn, not a like good look. They, they use the bottom of their chin a lot? They're always on their chins. Yeah, that's interesting to me. I, yeah. You know, I haven't hit that yet. Wow. Yeah. We do any chin work? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no chin work in our sex. <laughs> what, what do you mean with the chin? Because, like, when they do contortionist stuff. Don't lie to me, no, Red this, Band, uh, No, there are. I don't want to really are photos I'm in a good mood. We're coming into the new year. If you're just <laughs> fucking around no, with me, I'm going to get angry. 100%. Like, like, a lot of times, pull the, like. Pull a photo up, bro. Pull a photo for him. Photo up of the chins? Yeah. yeah let's someone's see, doing let's that on their chin. Oh, okay. How would you even have that here? Uh, she works. I better not say where she works, but yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, she she uh, she would always be in a bent position where her face is always on the ground, you and know, her feet go her all the way over the back of her head, her like this. You know, so she's like sitting there like that. So her her wherever, whenever she's doing contortion, she's always on her chin. Here, I'll show you some photos if you yeah, but how look at you... the TV right there. Like, uh, let's uh, see this now. You know, see like well, that's not... what is she in see the that girl? Like, see like this right here, like kind of, this kind of stuff where she right, has her me... chin. Right here, like this. Oh, this kind of is stuff. a girl that you know. No, this is not her. This girl's seven, but uh, <laughs> what's that? Just, you know, I got bad eyes, so you know. <laughs> no, he's just. I can't just be showing seven year old. See, what are no, you no, doing? No, no, no. This, this is a woman. This is a woman. Oh, okay. This is a woman. All right. See that that woman's legs? See, Look yeah. what she's doing. See, See how her chin's on the ground? Well, yeah. could, you never think about it, but contortionists always have their faces on the ground. Well, you'll think about it if you're stepping on a head and you're in there. You know what I mean? That's no good. So that is a weird position to put your body. Yeah. You know, that's a weird. That's not a position I could get into. I don't think. And and then in sex you just don't think about it like like yeah their, their legs bend really far back when you're putting them up above your legs but you're not going like all right now can you bend this backwards I just want to make it a meatball or something well, you mean you don't do stretching exercises <laughs> with your chick before you begin no I don't it's right, usually see, that that's it's probably better than a chick with a hamstring pull though yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's that's like different. yeah if it was the opposite like ow don't pull my leg ow. Right. <laughs> It's just You'd funny be that better you off have those with the pictures up there. That's funny to me. <laughs> what? Oh, the yeah, yeah. See, he looks like a nice guy, right? <laughs> he, he looks a like nice a, guy. A, a, no, but I'm saying he looks just like a, a regular nice guy. But look what he's into. Well, he just gave it a you shot. Know, he didn't in his defense, he didn't necessarily say he was into it. Oh, no, oh you're no, not into no, it. No, I'm not into it. You got a girlfriend I mean, right now? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, a couple. No. Yeah. No, yes. Nothing steady. Yeah. No, I have. Yeah, I have a steady and a yeah too. What does that even mean? It means he's retarded. If you didn't what, know what that you by now, what you just right went, now? this is called a web. A web. You got caught in the spider web. Uh, uh, the spider web of retardation. And it sticks to you. I'm dating. And you're like, oh my God, I'm in this conversation and I can't get out. What the fuck did I do? Why did I engage him? And you're trying to pull yourself free. Yeah, no, but, but I like struggle. him. But now, you know, we're into something. You know, <laughs> right. I don't know what's going on. And you on. don't know why you're invested in this. You know, but what happened? I'm just dating. That's, I guess, the easiest way to say it. Dating? dating. Yeah. yeah. Guys should say dating. He's really trying to, you know. And I like you. You know, I'm not stopping with you. Down. But, you know, I'm exactly. dating now. Yeah. That's what a girl says after she broke up with a guy after six months. Well, I'm starting to date. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, I know. I'm just trying not to jump right into a, a relationship. You know, you're on a very cool podcast here. You can't use expressions like that. Yeah. Yeah, you can't do you that, know, man. You know, and I like you. We're friends. What, what am I supposed yeah. to say? 
you know, Single. you know, I'm banging a few of them out right now. I'm not just committed to, just, just to fit the show. You know what I'm I mean? Not completely right. committed you know, over here. You know, I throw a load this way. You know, <laughs> I splooged all over this one before I came to work just for a goof. <laughs> You know what I mean? Things like that. Yeah, it it, I need to it say fits that. the show. Yeah, oh, Brian, right. you got to realize you're never going to go right. back to you being... You know, this is a podcast. That's the beauty of this. You're you can right. say what you want. I know. Yeah, you're never going to go back to being an accountant again. This I will know. never haunt you. It, was he an accountant? <laughs> no. Is that... Uh, he used to sell computers. You know, he's a good guy. He's a very good guy. But, you know, he's, he's got to hit it up a little. He's with, a mess. Is he? Right? He's a mess. Well, you're with him a lot, so but he's you a great know. guy. But a mess in no the, doubt that he's a great guy. I'm just mess saying, in a good way. Like what is what's going on? I mean, out of one side of his mouth, story, he's saying I'm dating. All right, I'm pink socking Asians. No, but, uh, um, making no, but, them pee a little. All right, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> you know, what are you out doing? of one side of your mouth, you're talking about dating, and on the other side, you're showing girls, you know, twisting themselves into pretzels. But that wasn't really like a sexual thing. No, no, but it can be. Yes, can is be. what he he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's saying. What the fuck yes. happened? Brian, you just retarded yourself out. Uh, now you're caught in your own web. Your own web has wrapped you up. All right, up. we'll leave him alone. We'll but leave him alone. He's, got he's, a, he's in his defense. He has a very unusual dating situation. Seems to be working out. And though. he doesn't want to talk about it yeah. on the air. I yes, get exactly. that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so what do you want to talk about then? <laughs> what do you talk about, about you, We Did, talk about We want to talk about you. We are. Wanna, we are. Um, I try not to be so like crazy with myself. I really try to stay... Like grounded in what I do because it does feel a little crazy right now with what's going on. Like you said about a resurgence. Yeah. And well, you seem real excited about comedy again too. Like you well, know, you know what of- it is. I, I've watched a lot of the specials, and when I spoke to Showtime about this, you know, I had a couple rules because you know I even told my director uh, Scott Montoyer. I said, look, you know, you're gonna go through something now. This isn't gonna be like the other specials you've done. You're gonna you know, your hair is going to change color because of this. You know, you're going to go through it with me now. You're going to be a different man when you come through <laughs> this. And what was funny is <clears throat> he, he when we were going to do the special, he spoke to the, uh, Joe Diaz, you know, and he goes, you know, he told me, you know, he goes to Diaz, he goes, you know, I'm thinking of doing a special with Dice. What do you think? And he goes, well, I think he's great, but you're going to go through it. <laughs> you know, you know, he's crazy when it comes to these things. And I am. Because all the way from the performance to the editing, <clears throat> I want it to be perfect. I want people like like in a capsule because I really don't want to do any more specials. Like I'm going to do The Road now. I'm just finishing up, you know, a deal with the Hard Rock in Vegas, a long-term deal. And, you know, I want to do what I do on The Road now. What are you going to do at the Hard Rock? Same thing that you were doing at the Riv? Yeah. Doing monthly, yeah, monthly shows? Uh, yeah, I'm going <clears> to <throat> do like two weeks at a clip and, and go into uh, – uh, what's the name? Vinyl. The, it's a rock club. Yeah. You know, and right. like I said, I base my act on rock and roll, so I like a certain setting. You know, it's not that big of a room. You know, I was just and, there. I was just in Vegas uh, two weeks ago. It's great. The, the new I, hard rock is great. Well, I, I mean, the, I just the, the, the love new it. Updates. I, you know, and, you know, with what I do in that hotel, it really fits. Yeah. And, you know, Vegas is somewhere I like to be a lot. So... You know, on the road, you know what it is. You go into a couple thousand seats. It's one time a year. But Vegas, I like doing like 20 weeks, 24 weeks a year. And, you know, me and my wife just go nuts there. We have a great time. And, you know, it's like a home away from home. Right. Why did you choose Vegas to work out your shows? Why did you uh, decide to do it that way and not do it in L.A.? Well, I was, I was doing clubs around the country. 
you know, so I did that. You know, I did the, you know, like the governors, all mm-hmm. those clubs. Right. You know, but but Vegas was like a steady thing. It was it almost became like my comedy store. So, you know, I was at the uh, Las Vegas Hilton for a while working on it. And then uh, we went to Riv before the Hilton. And then we went back to the Riv. Because I, I, I was never into the room at the Hilton to start with. But, you know, you have, you know, I have, uh, you know, investors in the show. And, you know, we tried it. But the Riv was a great room to really just work it out, do as long a set as I want, and really just make everything tight and develop the material with with an audience that's coming to see me. So when you have the people that are paying to come see you, you know if the material's good because that's the fans now. Yeah. When you go on places like the <clears throat> Comedy Store, you're going to get those people that, you know, look at you and go, what did he just say? I want to leave now. Right. You know, and I didn't want to deal with that. I right, want right. the real audiences. I thought that was a brilliant idea to do it at the Riv uh, for, for that reason, that you would get all your people there, but also because the place has so much fucking history. Well, yeah. It's such a crazy hotel. Think of the people that perform there through yeah. the, you know, from Sinatra to Sammy Davis to, uh, you know, comics like Milton Berle and, you know, Jack Benny, yeah. you know, who personally I wasn't ever even fucking into because, like I say, I wasn't. I was never that much into stand-ups. But, you know, when you're on a stage that, you know, Sinatra was on, I did a lot yeah. of rooms like that in Vegas. I did, um, before they knocked, uh, what was the, the Stardust. Stardust? I did the Stardust for a few years. Wow. And that was one of the best stages because that stage, you know, you had the stage that you, you're on like this, and then it had, uh, what's it called, like a runway that went right through the entire audience. Mm-hmm. And they don't build stages like that anymore. Wow. So I was lucky enough to play some of those. Bally's Hotel I did for 13 years. Isn't it crazy with those old Vegas hotels that when they're done with them, they explode them? It, it's crazy because, you know, I think, you know, peop- you know, I know a lot what goes on in Vegas. And, like, uh, these people that just bought the Sahara want to make it, like, more of a boutique hotel again. You know, for high rollers, not a lot of kids, you know, not a thousand floors up, you know, a smaller place where people really feel that old school Vegas feel. Right. And I also think Vegas is really becoming a place for comedy, not just comedy, for live entertainment. Because of recession, you know, when people <clears throat> come to Vegas, if they're going to go to a show, they want to see somebody familiar to them. Right. You know, so that's why a lot of comics are moving there. You know, and that's why a lot of, you know, you see people like Cher performing there. Mm -hmm. I just saw Guns N' Roses there. You know, it's that type of place now. They want to see people that that they're fans of. They don't want to see just, you know, a bunch of midgets on bungee cords. Right. Jumping around to the Beatles music, you know. You could probably do like a weekly show in Vegas and never have to travel anywhere and just make people travel to you. Yeah, but I want a tour. You want want a tour. You know, I I owe it to myself. I owe it to, to the fans that, you know have been with me all these years. I'm doing this a long time. So I really want to do that big tour again. And I don't know how, how, you know, the kind of rooms I'll do yet. But, I mean, just on things that are on sale already, they're going through the roof. You know, and the special hasn't aired, but people know it's coming. And, you know, ever since I did Entourage, I have this whole new audience. And, and, they, and I'll always get that. When, where can I see a comedy special? You're doing a comedy special. So... I really prepared for it. I really took it serious. You know, when I see guys preparing for specials but just fucking around on stage, that bothers me. I'm like, they all want to be superstars. They all want to fill, you know, the Staples Center. 
but nobody's putting in the work to do that. Yeah. You know, and I know you're a hard worker. That's why I feel free to tell you this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know you give everything you got on stage. I mean, you know, when, you know, it's funny. When, when I was coming up, you weren't around, right? So, you know, you had, you had myself, you had Sam Kennison, who was screaming his head off. <laughs> and then one night I walk into the store and I'm like, I'm seeing, you know, just style-wise, almost a blend of Kennison and me coming through you, but even more intense when you would scream it. That's why I loved them. I'm going, who the fuck is this? That the night I came in, you, you were about, you know, you were deciding in your head, I could tell, if you wanted to just smash this guy's skull in. And I'm going, now that's funny. You know what I mean? Because... Nobody came along since, you know, like I, I did an album called The Day the Laughter Died because Rick Rubin, who produced five of my albums, you know, he did like, you know, he, he, he like he was the one that brought rap to the scene. He's the one that brought the Black Crows and, you know, ba- bands like that. I mean, he produced, you know, Rolling Stone albums, you know, and he said to me, you know, it, in the early 90s, he'd go, you're the end of comedy. There's nowhere to go after this. <laughs> You know, and then here's this maniac on stage. I mean, I came in in the middle of your act, so I had to, like, watch to see where you were, you know, because you would just, you know, this has got to be 15 years ago, maybe even more. And, you know, so you were so young and just your face was beet red, (laughs) you know, and I'm going, he's, I know this guy. I didn't know your name because I just came walking in from the front door. I go, he's going to kill this guy in the third row. And I don't know what over. It's a comedy show, but that's the shit that makes me laugh. <laughs> and then one night, Eleanor, this is not even that long ago, I was destroying somebody in, in you know, in, in the original room at the comedy store. And that's when you came up with, I love Dice Mean. And she told it to me. I go, does he really? He, she goes, he just loves you. And he loves when you get angry because he knows you're really getting angry. It was one of my favorite things at the comedy store to be in the back. I would be, we'd be in the back talking and someone would yell out in the hallway, Dice's got a heckler. It's like he had a fish on. You know, it was like, we got a tuna. You know, and we would all run in in the back and just watch you just eviscerate people when you would get really mean with people look at you because well, <laughs> because i would really see see i'm not fake on stage no. and, and i'm emotional so if i'm doing like a great bit that i know is great and in the middle of it you know i hear a guy yelling out little bo peep yeah. i'm gonna get angry at that person yes you know and uh you know it's not even about heckling that person it's about knowing I've mentally hurt him for years to come. <laughs> but like, it was like still I, with great timing and comedy skill. Well, yeah, it was no, still very course, funny. Of course, you got to stay with yeah. it. But it's like you really want to hurt the person you mentally. Crush you want to crush You know what soul. I mean? I mean? Now it's at the level where we throw people out. Yeah. You know, which, you know, first I'll have the heckle fight. Well, you did that in Vegas. You, you threw a guy out, the guy in the front row. Well, like, I, two minutes into the show, the guy was so drunk... He couldn't even communicate with you. You're like, this is not going to yeah, work. And, that, and I can't deal yeah. with that. It's like, why that drunk? Yeah. I had a guy. I was at uh, Governor's a few months ago. Uh, do you remember this, Valerie, with the blind guy? Yeah. Okay. So this guy is just drunk, and he's wearing dark sunglasses. He's looking like a dice clone, you know. That guy's got to be, you know, 50, you know, or in his 40s, whatever. So I'm going back and forth with him a little bit. You know, I figure I'll always give a person a chance. Right. 
But the guy now, I get back into the act, and he starts in some more. So, you know, you know, you got pretty tough bounces there, you know. And I go, do me a favor. Get rid of this fucking asshole of a human being. You know what I mean? Just throw him the fuck out. So now after the show, Don Jameson was opening for me that night. And he would sell his T-shirts at the front of the club, you know. So he comes to the dressing room and he goes, you just missed the greatest thing I ever saw in comedy. And I go, why? What happened? He goes, you know the guy you threw out? It took, number one, four bounces. He had, like, retarded strength. He goes, but he was blind, you know, and he was swinging his stick at them. He, oh, he, no. he, he ran. He tried to run, and he smashed oh. right into a wall, and he turned around, and he was fighting these guys, and he was winning, you know, <laughs> you know going, he's coming back in the room. He's going to kick Dice's ass. I mean, that's what a comedy show is today. Who's going to kick somebody's ass? And I'm going, how the fuck did I know he's blind? <laughs> you know what I mean? The guy, you know, I've had guys come to my show wearing the glasses and the fingerless gloves. How am I going to know the guy's blind? You know, right. and they're dragging him out of the room. He was starting to fight them on the way out of the room, you know, which is entertaining to me. You know, this way I get to laugh a little. You know what I mean? You know, why should the audience always be the one to have a good laugh? Who's going to make me fucking laugh? You know, so when Don told me, I, when Don told me the story of the blind guy, I really was laughing. It was very enjoyable. But uh, the other side of me was, I wouldn't have thrown the guy out if I knew he was blind. That, you know, right. how do you do that? It's like, you know, kicking a cripple out of so, their wheelchair. So was he heckling? What, what yeah, was... he was just, but it was, it was drunk and it was... Uh. You know, it wasn't coherent stuff, and I'm going, okay, asshole face, <laughs> you know, which is uh, one of my newest, uh, like, heckle lines where, you know, if a guy's a real asshole, I'll tag him with that name, and I'll keep going, asshole face. And then I start getting angry, <laughs> and I go, I'm not saying you're an asshole. I go, I know you've been called that a thousand times in your life because of the kind of person you are. What I'm saying to you is I think you have a face that resembles a fucking asshole. And that's what I truly think of you. You know, that's some shit that you wake up in the middle of the night when you go to take a leak. No, I'll tell you what happens mentally (laughs) when you text. No, no, this is what happens with that. See, let's say it's a guy in Vegas with his friends. Hey, asshole face, you know. Right. So those friends that are with him now, these buddies of 20 years, you know, that night they're going, come on, asshole face, let's go have a drink. And it's funny the next day even, maybe even a week later. But three years later when they're calling your house and the kids are picking up the phone, they're going, yeah, put asshole face on the phone. That's when the guy's going, why did I ever say a fucking word at that show? Because now forever he's asshole face. That's a multi-tiered solution. I like how you played that out. But I really think about that stuff. I go, what would hurt? In the long run. Right. That's like some humbling chess shit, right? Yeah, like yeah. if you call... Uh, I've heard you call people <laughs> assholes on stage. Oh, yeah. Right? Hey, you're a fucking asshole. Right. They don't even hear it because right. they've been called. But to, but to tag face. them and let them know they have a face that resembles an asshole. Mm. Even if they but, don't, just give them that doubt. Well, no. You know, normally <laughs> the ones I pick out have it. Yeah, it you know what I mean? I really look for a guy uh, that has... I don't want to give a guy a name that doesn't fit him. Mm. You know what I mean? So... He sort of has to have a face that resembles... That's heckler herpes is what that's called. Yeah, it just <laughs> keeps coming back to fucking haunt you. Because that's the fan I don't... I, I, that was another time, you know, it, it's a, you know, Max was with me, and um, this, you know, this guy was fucking with Eleanor on stage, and his girlfriend, I think, or his wife. 
So I come on stage, and the minute he opened his mouth, I'm like, throw this motherfucker out. Oh, no, I wasn't on stage. And what happened was I start yelling at the, uh, you know, the promoters of the show. I go, get that fucking guy out of the room. If he's bad with her, he's not even going to let me get started. But it wasn't good enough for me that they threw him out. I come out the back door. I'm going to fight the guy. You know, like While the show's they, they, going to on? The lo- well, Eleanor's still on stage, you know, so I figured there's a little time, you know, and my wife was, was yelling. Is that your phone? The, the, is it my phone? What the fuck with these things? I don't know how they work. I think you, unfortunately, I think uh, you've also like told it, that it, story it's before. It's happy face. Oh, it's happy face? Yeah, yeah. And uh, wait, let me shut this. Who's I, happy face? Uh, he's my... He's he's with me for like twenty five years already. Oh. He's uh he does security for me. He's into what you're into, you know. With the fight, he's got uh, you know, martial arts schools on the East Coast. And his name's Happy Face. Well, his name's Mike Melandra, you know, but it's Happy Face. Everybody calls him Happy Face. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know, because I'll always like try to smile at a guy when he's throwing him out, and you know, he's you know, he's a pretty deadly guy. And that's what I love about him being Happy Face. I mean, that's a great name. Well, he got his job with me. You know how he I got fucking his... love that name. Happy Face is a great fucking. And there's name. a Happy West also. Happy West is not yeah. as good. Happy but, West but got this fucked. Is the, this uh, happy is how... Face it came first. Well, know, Happy man. Face is with me like 25 years. And the way he got his job <laughs> was I would work out in a gym in a, a Gold's gym in Jersey, and we would just start talking, and you know, then we would work out a little together. And he's he's not, happy face is about five seven, you know, but he's not that big, you know. But he would talk about his martial arts school, how his father taught him. They both had the school, you know, and he, you know, like you know, like father like son. He followed in his footsteps. So he's standing between the two owners of the gym, which were animals. These guys were like you know the type that bench three fifty a hundred times. You know, they were right, big right. guys. So I said, happy face. I go, you know, with my shows, I don't like, you know, we were talking about him, like, working for me because I had Club Soda Kenny, who's, like, 6'5", mm-hmm. big, you know. And I said, so I looked at happy face like he's the sniper. You know, they'd never see him coming. I go, but we don't like to hurt anybody. I go, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to get past you, and you got to stop me without hurting me. And this guy put me down. My ass didn't even touch the ground. That's how fast he moved. But at first he's going, I don't want to touch you. He goes, I came to the Meadowlands to see you. You know? He goes, I can't. You know, I go, well, that's the aim. You can't hurt me. That's it. And he did this move, this this move on me that just put see, me right down. See, the problem is he could always hurt you. If you're resisting, it hurt you. You get hurt just scrambling. That's you know? right. You but he put me down, rib. and that night he was working for me. Yeah? And that was the beginning of Happy Face. <laughs> That's a nice name. I like it. Yeah, and I love his temper <laughs> when he gets mad. It's it's a lot of fun to make him get angry. You know, it's funny talking about, like... Because <clears throat> he didn't like the name Mike the Murderer, so that's that why was I went his to first Happy name? Face. Well, yeah, he starts screaming about that. Don't call me that. You know, it's a touchy <clears throat> situation, you know. <laughs> you know, and I'm going, it's just a name. He goes, but don't call me that, you know. Yeah, people don't want yeah, to be called murderers. No, but he's happy face for 25 years. So he's he's happy about that's why he's calling me. The comedy store was always the worst place in the world for heckling because there was no crowd control whatsoever. Nothing. 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 You would think like when I when I lived in Boston and we were at Stitches, Stitches is when uh that's where I did my first open mic 
And uh, I had uh, been really inspired by you, really inspired by uh, Kennison and a few other guys. And I, I was I was really like looking forward to to doing some, you know, trying to do some stand up comedy. And you think back then, like what the what the face of comedy was like and what it's like now. Yes, yeah, it's all like blank to me right now. And I'm not pissing on it, but I don't find, you know, I'll flip around the channels, just see if somebody's on, start watching for a few minutes. But like I say, these guys don't put a lot into their, um, in, there's, no, there's nobody developing a persona. You know, and those are the kind, you might not realize it, but you have a persona. You know what I mean? People come to see Joe Rogan, they know what they're getting. You know, but there aren't too many guys. It's almost like, like, like white bread. You know, there's there's no persona up there. So even if the material's decent, you know, a lot of material's been done. A lot of guys cover the same subjects. I'd rather see a guy that's more entertaining that I could go, do you fucking believe what he's doing up there? Right. That's the kind of act I like to see. When we were in Boston and we were starting out and we were, like, looking at the face of comedy, the comedy store was always Mecca. That was always, like, that fucking place where you'd make the pilgrimage and everybody would go see the, the, see the stage where you performed and Kennison performed Every, and Richard Pryor and Letterman. Everybody. But when I got there and... When I got there, like I forget who was on stage, or some road hack. Uh, the, the the place was half full, and uh, some guys yelling out shit in the back of the room, and no one's kicking them out. Nobody. And, and this was this was like my first experience at the because comic the store. bodyguards are there, the doormen are comics. Yeah. Nobody wants to get into it. Only Harris Pete. Harris yeah. Pete would get down. <laughs> oh, Harris yeah. Pete would get down. He would throw dudes out. I once saw Tony Danza knock him out. Oh really? Yeah, because you know how condescending Harris could yes. be. You know, Tony Danza was and a Tony very Danza good boxer. just wanted to come in. You know, nice as could be. Yeah. You know, Tony, I don't know if you know him, but he's just this friendly guy. Right. Yeah. That could kick ass. You know, and Harris gave him a hard time, and he put his hands on him. Uh oh. You know, like you can't just walk in, and he just gave him one shot, and he went flying down the stairs. Wow. Really funny. Poor really Harris. enjoyable. Harris is such an angry guy. For whatever reason, he's such an angry guy. It took me years to get even uh, the tiniest compliment from that guy. Yeah, that's how. It, it's it's a name always, I haven't thought I of. Negative, believe he negative, worked negative. There. Yeah, he just like left the world. <laughs> he like just got on his motorcycle. But, and left but I do there. have to say, if, when the guy gave you props, it meant something. You know, yeah. I, for some reason, it did. Yeah, like it you meant don't. Something. Why you held it back? Well, it would like him to be a little bit more fair with them. You know, <laughs> with his, with his no. Props. But I'm saying, why? You know, it's like getting a compliment from get him it. was like getting one from Mitzi for some reason. Yeah, it was. Close. But you know what it is? Because he was always there and he saw everybody perform. That's true too. You know, he knew whether or not to be impressed with you or, or whether or not you were just bullshit in the crowd. But he was also just negative. But also the comedy store. Why I think you know somebody like you would like it and myself. Was that was the bad boy comedy club? Yeah. It still is. Yeah, you know, it's it's like you say, it's a free for all. You go over to the Improv, which is a great club, but it's everything is run. Yeah. Like at the comedy store, nobody even knows who's running things it's anymore. It's madness, and it was more madness then than it is now. <laughs> it really was. I think it's probably way better managed now than it was uh, back in the early days. But man, it, it was insane. It but was... when I came along, you know, it was ninety four. That's when I first started performing there, and uh, I just. I was blown away. But it was like the place was like crackling. It's like the magic of all those sets yeah, and was with like the, in the walls. And with the store, you ever notice you could go there some nights, you know, those Sunday, Monday nights, and it's as fun as could be and crazy. 
And then there are certain nights when you come there like that, and just the vibe is bad. Mm-hmm. Just the wrong combination of people. Yeah. Just like they, that you go, you know what? I'm getting out of here. It's yeah. just that bad fucking vibe. And then just other nights, just insane great. Yeah, it's an amazing club, you know, just the history. Yeah, I still love place. it. I still love going there. I still love going on the stage. Yeah, I can't go back because of the, the falling out that I had with them. Oh, I didn't know about that. Long, the Mencia issue. You didn't know oh, about that? Oh, but you're not allowed back because of that? I never went back. I never would go back. When they uh, they banned me for that, I'm like, you guys are out of your fucking mind. Yeah, I'm but like, if you weren't banned, then you wouldn't be a comedy store. <laughs> I got banned before that. Mitzi banned me once for uh, my J. Howard Marshall joke. <laughs> I had this joke about uh, about the, the old dude that uh, that fucked in Nicole Smith. Uh-huh. And it was one of my favorite jokes. It was a great a joke. joke. She hated it. It was just about, you know, that everyone was saying, oh, it's such a sh- it's so sad to watch this poor old man, you know, and like like he's he's getting he's getting robbed and this woman is just here for his money. And I'm like, don't you think he knows? The guy <laughs> was 90 years old. He made a billion dollars from scratch. You know, chances are he's a tad crafty. Yeah. Like, how do you want him to die? And then it was this whole death scenario, like on death. And then you go off Make it or do a bunch of dirty shit. I love the bit. But it was, so about, it was about old people. She did not like it. I think she banned me once for that. She banned me once or something else too, but we like little tiny. Yeah, I've been banned from there. Bands. My kids were even banned from there. <laughs> I had a thing with Paulie years ago, like when when I first broke up with my wife. You know, I'd always bring the my kids to the comedy store at night, and you know, Eleanor would hang with them. You know, so one night, you know, I mean, Dylan, who's now eighteen, you know, was only eleven. You know, and you know, I'm seeing Paulie in the comedy store. Paulie had a hamburger joint. When he was 12 years old at the Westwood Comedy Store. So I know Paulie growing up since he's that age. So he goes, how many times I got to tell you, don't bring your fucking kid in here? You know, and I was like, Paulie right. said that like that? But he was standing there. My kid was there. So I go, Dylan, I forgot. I think he was with Steve Simone. I go, Steve, take him outside. You know, I go, you know, like I was going to have to hurt him at that moment. You know, but I didn't, you know, but I, I got in his, I didn't get physical. You know, you can't do that stuff. But Paulie told his mother that I threw a glass at him, so she banned me and the kids. <laughs> you know, my kids were banned at 11 and 15 from the comic, which is so great. I go, and my son Max loved it because he understood it. He was old enough to understand it. And, uh, and then one night Mitzi comes in, and Eleanor's sitting with her and saying, no, no, that's not what happened. I was right in the kitchen when it happened. He didn't throw a glass at Paulie. She goes, if anything, he would have caved his skull in. You know, he just threw the glass in the garbage on his way out. And she, you know, her voice, she's like, well, I knew that Andrew wouldn't do something like that. You know, he wouldn't go to that level. Yeah, you wouldn't so the throw bit, a glass. No, I would never. I would never. You know, that's not what I do. I can see you hitting somebody. Yeah, well, you, you know, crazy but, but I can't hit somebody unless they, you know, try to hurt me. You know, it was more like I just laid into him for it. And on the way out of the kitchen, the back door, I threw my glass and it broke on the wall, you know, near the garbage can there. But Paulie was out in the hallway. He was nowhere near it. But it was, you know, we made up, of course, we're friends today. And, you know, we laugh about all the nonsense. But, you know, it's just a crazy place. Yeah, I mean, sometimes to end the show, you would have loved this. You weren't even out there yet. This is like, I'm talking like 86, 87. So me and Kennison would be the last acts of the night every night. She'd put us on back to back. And it was either he went on first or I went on first. And, like, to end the show sometimes, if he'd go on first, 
you know, I'd be on stage, and, you know, once he'd get bored with it, he'd throw a chair at me on stage, and then the whole fight would happen on the stage where Carl LeBeau would jump, and you would just see who's ever in the audience, because the audience is tourists. <laughs> they don't know what's going on. They don't know, you know, I'm falling over the front tables, knocking people over, and people are just running out of the place. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> there were so many great fake fights at the comedy store, because... Yeah. Don That's Barris. the one thing comics love to do. We yeah. love being children. Don Barris. Is yeah. a Don Barris is the like the king that. of that I, shit. I was talking Don. to him last night about you. He loves you to death. And, oh. and uh, he's like, you should bring up how he used to. Did he used to go on the road with you? or did? You- oh, I would have Don. Uh, I would put Don in. Move, whatever I was in, I would put him in. Like we wound up doing this, this crazy Frank Stallone movie in Ixtapa, you know, uh, Mexico. And we were stuck there for like five weeks. And, of course, I made, I made Don do, like, Alfred Hitchcock in the movie. There was no call for Alfred Hitchcock, but I talked the producers into it, you know. And that's where he actually hurt, hurt his foot. You know how he's got, like, a, a bad foot? Yeah. He hurt his foot? Well, what happened with Don, he always wants to fight me, you oh, know. No. So, so one day, you know, he starts in with me on the set, and it's all these Mexican crew members that don't even understand English. And he puts his foot, like, there was a hole in the ground. And he wouldn't go to the hospital after to fix it. You know, so to this day, like, he just moves the wrong way, and he's crippled. You know, he just falls down. And, and it was funny. What happened was I, I went back to a Madison Square Garden in 2000. And it was Don's job at the time to come there, because he really wanted to see it, with my wife and my sons. So he was the problem on the plane, because what happened was he's walking down an aisle and the foot goes. And he's, you know, Don's emotional, you know. So he's screaming, laying on the floor in the plane <laughs> and scaring, <laughs> scaring the entire flight. Oh, my God. You know, and then they get him into a chair and the foot felt better. You know, so that, that a- the cops were at the airport to question him. And I go, your job was to just bring them here. That was the gift. You get to fly for nothing and get a hotel room, bring them in, and you cause a problem on the fucking airline. But that's Don. You know, that's who he is. Do you think he was just practical joking with you? No. He he does that shit all the time where he's like laying at norms on the ground going, ah! No, it really goes. His foot really goes. Is it a broken foot? Is it a ligament? I I, I, I'm sure he like chipped something in his ankle, mm. and he just wouldn't go to the house. He goes, "What are they going to do to me here?" You know, he turns into this baby. Oh, you know. No. Oh yeah, and he would do the road with me. You know, and I had when he would do the road with. I would just take him with me when he would do the road. I had a uh, at that time I had Eddie Griffin with me. I had yeah. So Eddie Griffin was like the real opener. You know, and so what would happen is I'd, I'd give Don 10 minutes right up front. So we'd be on a big, you know, tour bus traveling the country. And one time he's on the bus and he's like, you know how he gets down on himself? Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, almost like that, that. He's not crying with tears, but I'm going, well, Don, it's because it, the crowd doesn't respond the way he wants, you know. Right. Because he would come out singing uh, Tie a Yellow Ribbon. You know, you know, with the with the music over it and get the crowd clapping. And so now the song ends and then he goes into another one. He'll go into like Copacabana. So now he's on the bus complaining about I go, Don, it's your 10 minutes. 
after they get the joke of who you are, that you're this fucking goofball, well, now where are the jokes? You know, and, and he would go, well, you know, I went into the other song. I go, they don't want to hear another. You already did the bit. You had them clap. Now they got to clap to Barry Manilow singing, you know, Copacabana. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody gives a fuck. You create the character. You're this fucking big goofball. And now give them jokes. You know, and but we had a lot of fun. And then there would be another rumble on the bus. Now it's him jumping on me and trying to kill me on the bus. Yeah, he's, his life is constant theater with that guy. Constant theater. That's, that's who I hang out with every single day from midnight to about 4 a.m. Really? <laughs> so Don Barrys? Yeah. That's funny. Oh, and, and you know, it was hysterical. With the movie we did in Ixtapa, uh, they, they wanted me to stay and film for longer than I, I wanted to be there. You know, and I'm going, I got to get out of here. I got gigs I got to do. So they promised me a lot, of, a lot of money, you know, in like cash. And, and Don, you know, through the whole shoot is going, they're never giving it to you. You got to get it now. I go, Don, they're going to pay me. We made a deal. That's it. You know, and, you know, and, you know, the, the, it was a crazy set. You know, I mean, I never went through anything like this in a film ever. You know, what went on in those five weeks. And... So he's gone, you know, through the five weeks, I got to hear how they're not going to pay me. You know, he's just on me. that, the, And, of course, they give me the money, and Don had to tape it up, you know, all over my body like that movie Midnight Express. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it was a part of Mexico that we, we actually thought that the director was going to have me stopped at the airport. You know, so, you know, we're thinking, all right, how am I going to – because you're not allowed more than like $10,000 in cash, and right. this was a lot of money. You know, so he was taping it with this, like, paper tape to my chest, to my thighs, <sighs> you know, that, that when I got home, you know, and when we're going, you know, through the airport, I'm going, they're going to stop me. I'm going to be in jail, and whoever stops me is going to be rich. You know, it's that simple. But they didn't stop us, and now I get home, and I take off my shirt, and my wife sees all this money taped to my chest, and she's going... What is that? <laughs> you know, and I'm going, no, they paid me. You know, they, you know, that's how they pay you in Mexico, you know. But Dom was just so sure they're not paying me for the mo- It was just crazy. It was a, I wouldn't eat. We only had one meal a day because everybody on the set was getting sick. You know, everybody was going to the hospital. And, it, and all we had every day was um, we went to the same restaurant about 4 o'clock every day. We had pasta with sauce garlic bread, and Coca-Cola with purified ice. And we wouldn't eat till the next day at the same time because we figured we'd make it the middle of the day because we're only getting that one meal. We're not eating any of the food there. Wow. Yeah, and he lost like 30 pounds. In five. He's, he's going, I got to eat something. I, I, you know, he's going, this, this is ridiculous that we're not eating food. You know, I go, but everybody's falling at the wayside. What are we going to do? We got no, ch- this is survival, my friend. Those B-movie sets can be very fucking sketchy. And it was for a long time. Yeah, was five weeks of the same food. But I'm a creature. I I, I could do that. I could eat the same thing every single day. But you want it like twice a day, but the restaurant would close like nine at night. So we'd have to wait till the next day at four o'clock to have the next meal. Wow. So it was just bottled water, you know, and that was it. Bottled water and pasta once a day. What's the name of this movie? It was called The Good Life. It never came out. Ah, man. You know, and I always talk to Frank Stallone. He always says he should release like pieces of it on the internet. Yeah. 
it was the craziest thing, you know. Uh, I wanted it to be a comedy. Frank Stallone wanted it to be a drama, <laughs> you know. You know, because, because, you know, I would tell the producers, I go, you know, it's really a funny movie, you know, right. and comedy sells. Right. So when Frank would do a scene, he'd come over to the director and go, you know, how was that? And he goes, well, it was very dramatic, you know. And he's going, well, it's supposed to be a drama. And he goes, well, I think it should be funnier. And he goes, but the movie's a fucking drama. Like, so he was flipping out. We had a big fight over that movie. But uh, <laughs> but the producers now wanted it to just be like a comedy. Dennis Hopper's in it. It was supposed to be. You know what it was supposed to be? It was supposed to be Goodfellas on a golf course. So Dennis Hopper, you. Dennis Hopper was in it. But it was filmed Marina really. Anderson, Eric Can you Betts. find it anywhere? Is it I, online? No, it's on it's IMDb, nowhere. but it, it doesn't. Yeah, it's not online. But no the, one put it online? But. But also David the, Carradine was in it too. Yeah, a lot of people were in it. Beverly D'Angelo, Sylvester Stallone's in it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Dude, and they never made it. You should never just sell that it. shit to Netflix or something like that. You make it, a, it's a, well. It's not my movie to yeah. sell, but you know, it just wound up the whole time in Ixtapa was drama. You wow. know, but it, it, the movie's hysterical. You know. Yeah, those yeah, B-movie sets. Yeah. I've only been on one, I've been on, well, two B-movie sets. But you know what happened? We, we had a good director at the beginning. And then the producer, who was an attorney, fired the director, and he decided to direct. Oh, no. You know? <laughs> so now what happens is, this is where it starts going a little crazy. Uh, and, I, you know, I can't play golf. I hate fucking golf. I, I don't have patience to hit a one little ball, you know, across the park, whatever, you know. So I wasn't really good at playing the golf, you know, so we would make it that they make fun at me. But I had some, like, golf material at the time where I talked about hating golf. So the, the, this new director makes me do some of that material on, like, the master shot, like, on a crane. So he goes, I want you to do that monologue every time, you know. And I go, no, but I'm not doing that monologue every time. I did it for you because you asked me to do it in the master shot just so you hear some talking. And he goes, no, I want you to do it. I go, that's my material for my act. I don't want to do it. You know, you're not paying me for it, are you? Right. And he goes, you'll do what I say. I go, I'm not going to do a fucking thing you say. I go, and don't ever tell me what to do again, ever, in front of the camera, which Don Barris is falling down laughing as he's making our little documentary movie with my camera because I was always filming. He, he, did he literally say you'll do as I say? Yeah. Whoever listens and, and to he that. Goes, and, he, and he says, if you don't like it, you could leave. So I said, okay, I'll leave. I go, Don, let's go. And I had club soda, Kenny there. I go, let's leave. He goes, well, my attorneys will be in touch. I go, asshole, you told me to leave the set. You don't want me in the movie if I don't want to do my own material, and I don't want to do it. So don't fucking tell me what to do, and I'll stay. And that's it. You know. And what Don loved is no matter what the guy did you know, for his main profession, he goes, you're telling your director, the guy that's supposed to tell you what to do, don't ever tell me what to do again. <laughs> but that's his only job right now, is telling you what to do. I go, yeah, but you heard what went, went down, you know, and he agreed with it. And then I decided to direct part of the special. It's not the special, the movie. And because um, I come to the set one day and it's like 110 degrees. And this guy, you know, the guy directing was, you know, he had a funny character. He was very low-keyed, wear the, the sombrero because it was Mexico and it was always hot. And I go, uh, what are we doing today? And he goes, I don't know. You know, and I go, 
do you want me to set the shot up? And he goes, would you please? This is the director now. You know, just, he oh, goes, he just tapped out. Yeah, he goes, I, I just want to finish the movie and go home. And that's He's, how he would talk. That's like an impression of the guy. So now I'm directing, I'm directing the movie. And that was a scene I directed. This was great. Because I, I was like a little at war with Frank Stallone at the time on the set. So I, I was shooting a scene that I needed Don Barris for. And now I decided Club Soda Kenny will be in the movie also. <laughs> you know, so Frank is shooting a scene where he's like playing a guitar in his underwear, talking to some girl he was with in bed the night before. So I come in there and I take the sound guys. I'm like, come with me. Just come with me. So now I get the sound guys. So he winds up shooting this whole scene that he's doing and he doesn't know he doesn't have sound. And all of a sudden, coming from this house, you hear him screaming, he took the fucking sound, guys? You made me do all these takes and we don't even have fucking sound? And the, the director was going, well, Dice is directing a scene right now. you know." <laughs> and he goes, why the fuck is he directing anything? It's not his movie to direct. I mean, people were having... And then we crashed the golf carts, which I got in trouble for. I played chicken... With the, you know Peter Dobson? He's an actor? No. Um, he's been in a lot of stuff. Anyway, so an me and pitcher. Dobson were good friends and decided to play chicken with the golf carts. And I turn at the last second, and my golf cart gets completely destroyed, and Frank goes flying out of it because he's with me going, what are you doing as we're going towards each other? And I'm going, just stick with me on this. He goes, I don't want to stick with you. Stop driving. You know, but we wouldn't stop driving, and I turn and they smash in my. So now I'm not allowed so to be in the golf cart. Chicken, yeah, chicken to see who turns first. <laughs> you know, and then we're having sword fights with the golf clubs. I mean, it was ridiculous what was going on. You know, Beverly D'Angelo's in the movie. Uh, Frank Pesh is in the movie. What was your war with uh, Frank Stallone? What was well, that about? just that I believed the movie should be a comedy. Oh, okay, that you know. So I started doing like an impression of him. <laughs> On screen, because <laughs> I could do him really well, the way he stands. And, oh, you know, man. so now he sees the final cut and he goes, what are you doing behind me? You know, I go, an impression of you. He goes, you're not supposed to be doing an impression of me. I'm, I'm the leader of the gang. Yeah, I go, but it's funny. And he goes, but the movie's not funny. <laughs> you know, and of course we all made up after the, you know, movie, you know, never came out. You, you know. make up with everybody. You make up with Paulie. You made up with that guy. Yeah, because it's it's more fun to have your friends. Are you going to make and up then with laugh about it? You and Dom Herrera ever going to make up? You know what? It's it's not that I'm even like mad at a guy like Herrera. You know, he's just stupid. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I, I really like, don't. I, I like both I, of you. I, I really don't have, do. I wish you guys would uh, work that out. You, what? There's nothing to work out. Well, you know, well, when, you when just call them stupid. I'd, I'd say you have an issue. Well, calling somebody stupid and saying I don't like a guy are two different things. Well, I mean, why would you, you say know, I rare stupid? I'll sit here and go, he's a great comic. I think he's a great comedian. But, you know, he's he's just too bitter for me. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, he... Well, you for, and him have always had, like, this uh, no, antagonizing... No, he, he, he always had it. always had it with you. You know, he okay. used to... You know, I came into Philly years ago, and, uh, you know, I would headline the uh, Comedy Factory outlet. You know, so they would have him open the shows... You know, and he would look at my character like Italian rather than just a Brooklyn guy. And, you know, you know, my real name's Andrew Clay Silverstein, and I went to Andrew Dice Clay. You know, so when my, you know, we won the same Rodney special. 
you know, and he, you know, he just got fucking jealous that my career went through the roof and, you know, and he didn't, you know, and the funny thing about that was, I, I might have even talked about this on your show, that he would have been the perfect guy, you know, when I was doing the arenas, you know, to open those shows, you know, because people did like him on the special, but like I said, not everybody becomes a megastar. It just doesn't happen. Not everybody becomes the fucking Beatles. I'm sorry. You know, but he's a great comic. And because he had, you know, he started going on radio shows and saying my real last name. And I'm like, what's the problem? A, a, a Jew from Brooklyn can't be a tough, good-looking guy? Is that the fucking problem? You know, unless well, the, I'm Italian. Well, you what, know? The, the name Clay, where'd that come from? Well, that's just my middle name, Andrew Clay Silverstein. Oh. That's what my parents gave me. So uh, when you decided to just go as Dice Clay, why'd you decide to do that? Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. Well, why, just, why'd you... Silverstein was... I mean, I mean, well, you know what the original name was? When I'd go on stage is... Um, this was funny. Because when I... You know, my original act was like impressions. I'll just put it to you that way. You know, doing Travolta and Stallone and Jerry Lewis. Your and, Travolta is insane. You know, Your Travolta is the best Travolta on earth. No, well, one, no one nails it. Well, like, the thing about Travolta is that, you know, he had those Brooklyn characters. And, it, you know, we were similar looking when I was 17 years old, you know. And I was just able to do them. You know, I, was, I, I could turn into Vinnie Barbarino. Like, all right, so you asked me, uh, uh, Vinnie, you know, where's your homework? Vinnie, where's your homework? <laughs> what? That was the act. That was the whole act? No, no. No, you I had mean, like, I, you could I, say I can't words. Believe, you know, I did my homework, but, but my dog ate it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, you know, and I would do all these Travolta, but after the impressions, when I came to the comedy store, after I did, I got a shot on Don Kirshner's rock concert, and I did that whole act, but now it was about the acting thing, and I was thinking, well, nobody's going to buy me to do Travolta or Stallone, I got to develop my own stage persona. Do you know what kind of nuclear arsenal of a joke you have in your, in, your, in, your, in your wheelhouse if you just did it with you doing an impression of Travolta and have some massage bit? Do you know with that impression <laughs> how amazing. good that bit would be? <laughs> I know you don't want to do it and add, like, out of uh, you know, courtesy to Travolta. I know you think he's very talented. You don't do jokes about him. But my God, what a fucking crushing yeah. bit you would have. Yeah, but I, I can't. <laughs> that, you know what? That you I, know, your impression is is really good, and then with the, the situation is so ridiculous, him just wanting to get jerked off by all these guys, him saying, let me massage you. You know, like, it's, the whole thing is great. I mean, it's ripe for comedy. I'm not hating the guy. I love would, him. Would you like me to dig my thumbs into your neck a little? <laughs> <laughs> I could see you got a little crick. But I, you know what? I, I don't. Come on, he telling me, he telling me that you pretending to massage a guy, and then Stallone says to him, then Sly says, "You know what? That feels pretty good." <laughs> no, I got a sense of humor about it. I just feel he's been through a lot. Oh, uh, he's been through a lot, and but he's, he's also of, he's dished out our, a lot. He's one of our greatest stars, so I can't do it. He's that's hilarious. He's a great actor, no doubt about it. But he's also a freak. Likes getting jerked off by dudes. There's no question about that either. That seems to be a reoccurring theme. And I ain't hating the guy, man. You should be able to do whatever the fuck you want to well, do. You know what it and is? There's a lot of man, guys who would blow him just because he's. But that's what a I bad always felt. The, you know the problem with women were. Maybe that's why he went to the guys. I they think just, just don't know how to jerk. I think he's a freak. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that it? You try to teach him. You know what I mean? Some girls just seem to have a, a born in 
ability to do it correctly. Some like, girls just get it. Yeah. You know? Squeeze hard. Play. All right. Focus Don't on. even say my, my whatever wife the is fuck in here. your thing is. My wife right. is squeeze hard. Yeah. Who cares hey. what somebody's hey. doing to you? Hey. Unless down. they got their legs wrapped behind their ears. <laughs> Saddle down. Yeah, look at him. Mr. Date. Not by the hair of your chinny chin chin. King of the date. You know, but no, I, I love Travolta. I, you know, so you I can do only it. do impressions of, of of the people in film that I really love. Right. It's too bad you can't do it. Well, I just Seems did it like for you, though. You I gave you a little. Bit. Last time oh, I went to do beat. it. That's a taste. That's yeah, a taste. I mean, I could come up with it. Trust me. But, you know, I, sure I got to leave could. the guy alone. I, oh, that's a beautiful yeah. thing. I would not leave him alone, even if we were tight. Can you do say, Travolta? No, no. Do you do any impressions? I could do a couple. I want to see one of your shows now. I'm not even I'll, I'll send you my special. I'll, I'll gift it to you. Hey, I'll give the five bucks. I'm willing to pay. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, it's just, you know, I got a heart for people. That's mm-hmm. what it is. I understand. You know, so even like with Irera, like you were saying, you know what I mean? I, I, don't, love, I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate the guy. You know, there, there are guys I don't like. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, just don't like for many reasons. Right. You know, you know it's his own, you know, jealousy would overcome him, I guess. But... He missed out on the greatest gig in the world, you know, doing these arenas because he is an Italian from Philly. I mean, I did the Spectrum three times, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And he would have been great in those rooms. So I would book Lenny Clark, and Lenny Clark wound up, I'll never forget, I did the Universal Amphitheater, and Lenny calls me up and he goes, you know, can I have some people come to the show? And I'm going, Lenny, that's what it's all about. Like, why wouldn't you be able to have people come to the show with 6,000 people, you know? Right. And he winds up, I don't know if you know Lenny Clark's whole career, well. but he, they gave him a sitcom. He got a sitcom yeah. that night. <clears throat> and that didn't work out, and he wound up on the sitcom with, uh, what was it, uh, Frasier? Uh, you know, Frasier, I think it John was. John Larroquette? Where, where, no. Yeah, where he played a cop. No, it wasn't. He wasn't on the John Larroquette show. No, but it, but it might have been that... that well, you could look red band, do something. Yeah, you're running the, the, the panel. Yeah, look, you do the IMDb for Lenny Clark. By the way, Lenny Clark. No, but Lenny Clark wound up with a huge career. Yeah, well, one know? of the funniest guys. And it was ever one night. Boston. No, but I'm telling you, it was that night that it all came together for him. Lenny Clark gave me some great fucking advice too. Yeah, like my second time ever getting paid to perform, I opened up for Lenny. Uh-huh. This uh, this guy that I was working for, Norm Norm Lafoe was booking gigs in western Massachusetts, had these little one-night bars. He had this place called Jay's in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. And I got to open up for Lenny. This is after Lenny had been on HBO. And I got to go. And Mike Clark, it was a funny moment because uh, his brother, who's a great guy, still books a club called Giggles in Saugus. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Clark is the shit. He's just a great, great fucking guy. I never anyway, met him, but I know he's a great he guy. He gives me advice. His he goes, reputation. He's, he's like, pal, you're pretty funny, but you're going to have to clean it up a little bit. That oh, ma- really? Yeah, he's like, he that's talking ma- to the right one. That Madonna bit, you know, that one is just too much. I, you know, it was just saying, like, for his rooms, you know, like where I would work. But then Lenny comes off stage and goes, kid, that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Holy shit, that fucking Madonna bit was fucking hilarious. That heavy Boston accent, and Mike's like, I just got told, done telling him to stop doing that bit. Mm-hmm. Like, so. okay, it it was Lenny the John Larroquette show. It was a John Larroquette show. And he, he also yeah. did Lenny, a show called Lenny. Yeah, I should know that because it was next door to us. When we were filming news radio, he was over there. He fucking, he said that John Larroquette guy was a twat. 
he would just say how fucking horrendous it was to work with that guy. Yeah, but he did great. Yeah, that's well, all that Lenny was uh, Lenny was a top notch stand up. Like before, well, anybody... he was. A, these are all the guys that were on the Rodney special. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So you had Lenny Clark. You had a. You know, they had to fill a spot, so they put Barry Sobel in there. Uh-huh. You know. <laughs> Barry Sol- uh, look, Barry Solbo at one no, point but, in time was pretty fucking funny. See, he was I, pretty fucking funny. No, he, he's a funny guy. But, you know, the, when we did the Rodney special, you know how he wears baseball jackets? Uh-huh. So he shows up with a motorcycle jacket, uh-huh. right? A black la- – and he's going on like uh, two before me. It was Lenny, then Sobel, then Carol Leifer, then myself, then Bill Hicks, uh, Irera, and, uh, and Bob Schimmel. And – so he comes in wearing a motorcycle jacket, and he goes, this is what I'm wearing on the show tonight. So I'm like, all right, another jerk off, because I didn't know him well, you know. And I go over to Rodney. I go, look what the guy's wearing, Rodney. And Rodney goes, yeah, so what? You know, I go, well, he wants to wear it on the show. And then Rodney caught it, you know. He's going, Barry, come here, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> he goes, what are you going to wear on the show? And I'm standing right there. He goes, well, I'm going to wear this jacket. And Rodney goes... If you wear that jacket, man, you're not on the show, okay? Dice wears the leather, you know? And, of course, Barry took out his little baseball jacket, and that was the end of that. Do you think he was trying to do it to, like, you know what? All these swagger guys, jack you? You know, when I prepared, you know, just like I'm talking about my special now, right? Mm-hmm. I really prepare. You know, I'm not going to do a half-assed job when I'm up there. And when that Rodney special, you know, about I had about six months to get ready for that. And every night I'd go on at the comedy store. I wouldn't care if it was two fucking people in the crowd. I'm rehearsing. I'm rehearsing the act. That's it. Joke to joke to joke. You know, Halloween, there's Dom Irera just fucking around on stage. And I'm like, these guys just don't get it. Because I knew when I would be in front of that camera that the only thing I needed to worry about was playing the people and the people at home. I didn't want to think about the act. I wanted to be on automatic pilot because your nerves get to you and you want to do the performance now. And these guys would just fuck around at the store. They wouldn't rehearse it. You know, and then they show up to do the special and everybody's nervous. And I'll never forget, I walked from the Regency Hotel. You know, I just wanted to feel New York and I was in my outfit for the rod and I'm wearing a belt buckle you know, this fucking big, you know, the song. And I come walking into the club. I get the glasses on. And Rodney goes, how do you feel? He's like, how do you feel, man? You know how Rodney right? would be like. And I go, tonight they pay. <laughs> tonight they pay. Tonight they get disciplined. <laughs> and Rodney, tonight they pay. Okay, man, you're ready. Okay. Tonight wow. they're going to get disciplined. Did you hear that? And he just got such a kick out of it, you know. And when I went on, it was like, just kill him. First show out of the box. I love that you know? Rodney did that, that Rodney had those specials and introduced so many fucking comedians. Well, you know what? That's, if I do more as far as comedy specials, that's what I want to do now. I want to put guys on that I think are great, go around the country, find the best. Yeah, that's a great and, idea. And deliver those guys to America. That's a great idea. You know, and, you know, I spoke to Showtime. They're into it, you know, it's, but first I got to do this. Yeah. You know, and really, I think people are just going to be fucking thrilled with this. You know, I was thrilled with the end result. Uh, LA Rocks just rocks the room, which was a little scary to me because when I saw the audience, you know, you know, my boy, just like, like comics, now you got, I think we used 18 cameras, you know, for the shoot. So, you know, you, 
you know what I'm talking about. Just the pressure of, you know, with mm-hmm. producer, director, all the people involved in the special. And, you know, my kids came out, you know, Eleanor introduced them, and they just rocked the room, and the crowd went nuts because I'm worried that they're not going to let them get started. You know what I mean? And they just rocked it. I'm so proud of them. And they're actually going to be at the Whiskey on January 12th. So people that want to see a, a, a great band that's breaking, L.A. Rocks, could go to the Whiskey on the 12th of January. It's, it's always hard to get yourself into uh, normal performance mode when you're doing a special. You know, it's like it's when all the everything's riding on this one night. You've got two shows to get it right. Like sometimes the, that pressure can be overwhelming. And you, you want to know something? I only wanted to do one. <laughs> Ugh, and, yeah. you know, it was the people at Showtime that were smart enough to go, no, you're doing two. You know? Yeah. And they were right because I fucked up a few times in the first one. Yeah, it's, it's always hard to just do I, one, I wasn't but... nervous. I was, I was excited about it, though. You know, it's the nervous excitement, you know, yeah. and then you get that first laugh and you just loosen up. Yeah. But I, I was just so prepared. I mean, like you said, you came to uh, – you know, uh, Vegas and saw the show and saw me working on it. And, you know, Vegas crowds aren't as great as crowds around the country, you know, right. and that's another thing I like. So it felt like the comedy <clears throat> store, right? you know, because in out, Vegas, yeah. there's a lot of variables going on. There's gambling, drinking, fighting with your chick over yeah. losing the fucking money. Now you're at a show 10 at night. You know, and you're not even in the mood for that show. Yeah. You know, so the crowds, you never get that full amped up crowd that you would get like when you're on the road doing a concert, mm-hmm. you know, that they're just coming for the concert. So when I got to Chicago and, you know, I hear the crowd before I even come on, they're doing the dice, dice, dice. I'm going, all right, this is the real deal now. So, yeah, I fucked up a couple of times in the first taping of it. And, you know, and then I got angry. It became dice mean, you know, for the second show, and it just I just delivered the way I knew I can. One of the things that helped me, and this is, I think, would help you, too, uh, doing a podcast helps you on stage tremendously. You get so used to talking to people. You get so used to doing things like live that when we do, when I did these, uh, the, the special in uh, Atlanta, I, it was the most natural I'd ever felt being on stage. Because I'd always, had, the Tabernacle. I'd always had a problem with that. Where like um, when I on, when I was taping something, I'd be like stiff and tight, and I just like never. So felt you were like really happy with loose. the outcome of your performance. Forget I about- was a hundred percent how I always am. Uh-huh. There was a hundred percent. I even said it while I was on stage. I was like, "This is the most relaxed I've ever been doing one of these things." Yeah, because I didn't. Because you also prepared. So I prepared. You- I put a lot of lot of sets in to prepare. A lot of writing in to prepare. I had I had all the material like completely down. And but it was the, the, the audience is so fucking enthusiastic. It's like that's what you need. Yeah, they're so fun. You know, that and, just- and like like I said, that's where we do parallel because we both draw crazy audiences. Yeah. You know, people that are really out for the hardcore comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you really delivered it then. Well, I'm, I am I am so happy that there's still guys out there that are doing anything controversial. Because I think this is such a strange time when it comes to comedy. You know, there's been so many from the Tosh thing to the Tracy Morgan thing to, you know, just fill in the blank of every, any comedian that says anything. The Gilbert Godfrey thing when he got in trouble for a lot of shit. It's like at a at a certain point in time, it's like we're gonna if you keep going down this super ultra sensitive fucking stupid path, yeah, then there'll be no there's fun. gonna be then no there'll fun. be no comedy. And by the way, you're just saying what you don't like. Okay, you're saying you don't like it. 
Well, fucking don't listen. It's really simple. If you're not into what uh, a guy like Tracy Morgan would say or a guy like you would say, well, then don't fucking listen. No no one's requiring you to. You can't tell me that it's bad. You can't tell me that it's real. You know it's a joke. He's a fucking comedian. Yeah, that shouldn't be. You know, it's like I say, these comics are being put on trial. Right. You know, and, um, you know, there's, there's even a bit that, you know, I do where I use the fag word. Well, it's one of my favorite bits from your last thing. Well, I did did an interview for uh, Rolling Stone like three weeks ago. And, you know, the guy asked me why I used the word fag. You know, and I said, well, did you listen to the whole... And he he listened to the whole show. He watched the whole show. And I said, do you see where I go with the bit? What I'm really doing by the end of that bit is... Is sticking up for the gay community is what I'm doing. It, it winds up about like, you know, when the guys were running, you know, trying out for president, whatever. And um, so it's about the whole marriage thing. You know, I don't, I don't want to do the bit on the yeah, end. No. You know, but I go, that's what the bit's about. I go, and if I would say, you know, catch gay rather than catch fag, I go, fag is a funny word. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and for people that don't like it, well, don't watch my show. But it's funny and that's who I am on stage. But if you're going to talk about anything, talk about what the bit really, you know, turns into. You know, not, not a word. Have you ever done anything, any of your old material that you look back now and you're like, ah, I wouldn't do that today. I wouldn't say that today. You know what? I, I really don't have many regrets on the material. Uh, you know, I don't use too much of it in the special. I do a couple classic bits. That's what I call them. You know, like today on uh, I was on uh, Good Morning L.A. and, you know, they played like some of this midget bit that I've done for years but these are the new fans, so you give them some of the classic stuff. You give them the the mother goose. But other than that, you know, you know, it's a ninety eight percent new act. You know, I've updated. You know how I feel about different things, and you know, like I said, we're living in a different world. Technology. We're living in a world where, you know, women today are brought up on porn. You know, God forbid they don't have a you know a profile shot of a bleached out asshole on, on on their website or whatever. They feel they're not happening. You know, so, you know, so, so everything is new, but it's got that, you know, real heavy bite to it. And it's got the anger that I like to bring to stage. I mean, I, I couldn't do it like you. I mean, when, when I see you screaming up there, I had a couple screaming years, but not as intense. <laughs> like, that's what, that's what would make me sit down and watch you. I want to see how long can he scream? How long can he put that energy out? And you could, back then, you were going like two hours, you could do, and just, I go, he loves it. You know, it was almost like it was it was more about it was almost like you doing a verbal workout. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it wasn't like all right, I do A B C D and I'm done. You would just go and I'm going kind of and what is this guy taking to that energy? <laughs> like I'm watching you today, you know, um, you know, talk about like the different vitamins and everything that you you're selling and I'm going he's taking something that could really make uh, I'm thinking maybe I should take some of those fucking vitamins because you could really go for a long time. Yeah. Well, it's at, not at just top a, volume. Yeah. It's not just about um taking vitamins. It's definitely about what you eat. It's really important. No, but I mean the energy. That's what what I love because you know, when somebody's putting out that kind of energy, yeah. it's watchable. Well, yeah, now that's a good point that you you brought up earlier we, we didn't uh, touch back on. But the, uh, the idea that there's something wrong with you if you're moving around or, like, putting out a lot of effort. There was a time in comedy where guys, like, didn't respect anybody who didn't just stand still. 
and just say it with your words. And it's like, well, you, well why would you lose like that perform? Like, I would see a guy like maybe Jim Brewer is a good example, who's really physical on stage. And um, I would see like that the, the physical aspects of him moving around was really half. It the, adds half of to the, it, yeah, half the you bit. Know, and, it's hilarious. And, and any comic that doesn't believe that yeah. isn't, isn't a real performer. Yeah, and when it comes for that, like, when it calls for that, rather, there's nothing wrong. Yeah, with but doing anybody it, but, just pace a little. But it you became know, a thing. Do you remember when it was like a thing amongst comedians that if you you know they like didn't respect guys who like put forth too much effort? Well, when I really came weird. to the comedy store, because I, I I had some you know at that time with the cassette tapes, I had my music on tapes to do right. Travolta, right? And do like I would do the Grease Lightning number. I felt like the uh, <laughs> I felt like the the Serpico of the comedy store, right? Because comics props. would go, you know, this is the music store, not the comedy. And uh, uh, this is the comedy store, not the music store. And I go, because you can't do that. How does that sound? You know, you just can't do that. And you don't look like this to do that. You're an ugly guy. You know what I mean? So you should be doing what you do. Oh, I had argument after argument with comics. I go, well, you know what? The club owner thinks I am funny. Well, there's always you know? there's a weird thing amongst comedians where they want other comedians to be doing their kind of comedy. It's ridiculous. It's like a rapper going up to a guy who plays jazz and getting mad at him for for, for liking the fucking flute. Yeah, you know? I mean, you know, but, but you know, I also feel with comics is you know not this enough a lot camaraderie. Of I've told yeah. you that. Yeah, before. Oh, I agree. Look, I agree. You know, I just don't feel they back each other up enough. That's why it's always good. Like when you came to my show, I was thrilled. Because here's another comic that I respect coming to see me perform. It's almost like, you know, you know Sinatra going to see Sammy Davis. You know, like they back each other up with it. Yeah, I, it's very important to me. Uh, I think, uh, the, like, first of all, as I've gotten older and been doing stand-up longer and longer, the more I've appreciated the art form of it, you know, whether it's uh, the style that you do or the style that even Seinfeld. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of any style of good, like, yeah, well, I, love I, I love Gaffigan. Gaffigan is fucking yeah. hilarious. And I love very clean and like anybody can listen to it. You know, I love yeah. that style as well. But I just love the art form. So for me, camaraderie between other comics, like it's huge, 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 yeah, very important. But what I me. also like is is this I get a kick out of like the non camaraderie of the cleaner comics to guys like us. Yeah. Like they look at us, it's like, oh, look who walked in. <laughs> you know, we're the clean guys. Yeah. You know, and Seinfeld always had his little group of guys, which I think are hysterical. Him, Larry Miller, you know, Paul Rise are very clean. You know, yeah. to me, they're, you know, they're, they're all similar in their styles on stage. Well, I think Seinfeld was legit. That was legitimately him. But there was a lot of guys that came up that were like sort of. No, like it's a, legitimately him. But that that whole group had like a certain stuff. Like what to I, what me, I mean, Larry I think Miller he, just he influenced. Me. Though what I'm saying is that there's a lot of guys that became Seinfeld like. There was a lot of very Seinfeld-like observational guys that I don't know if they would have been that way if it wasn't for Jerry, because Jerry had a very specific style that a lot of those clean guys imitated that style, like yeah. really clearly. And it's really it, no Seinfeld. I love. I think he's a star. Really Larry Miller brilliant. just ki kills yeah. me. Well, that, I, I love him on TV. I mean, uh, acting. I mean, I think he's one of the funniest guys but ever. Even, did you ever see his stand up? Yeah, I've seen his stand-up. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a long time. I saw some old, old Evening of the Improv. Very oh, funny that's guy, though. Time. Very but funny guy. Just his sound effects yeah. and, you know, the way, you know, 
He's always shocked by things yeah, like that. Yeah, very bright guy, too. Yeah, that's yeah. why I don't like to hang out with him. <laughs> he is. He's really smart. And you don't like it? No, no. I, I love him, but, you know, we we used to do, like, La Jolla together and everything. And, you know, you know, there was a story where we did a private party and, uh, you know, I was, you know, and I, I the guy offered me, like, $1,000 to do a birthday party, you know, in La Jolla. And I, I go over to Larry, and I said, we'll split the money. You you open for me at the birthday party, you know. And uh, it was this big mansion. And I think this is the guy that invented uh, sex wax for uh, surfboards. Surfboards. And so we show up, and I see a bunch of, you know, five-year-olds, you know. And I'm going, you know, I call the guy over. I go, well, you really going to have me do my act? And he goes, no, that, we got a clown for them. You're for us. We're going inside. So it was all the adults. And Larry goes up, and I'm laughing. He does his act. And now he's sitting. It was like a, one of those living rooms, step-down living room. So he's sitting on the step, and he's watching me. And he's laughing hysterically, you know. And afterwards, you know, I, I'm asking him, I go, you see my act every night. Why are you laughing so hard? He goes, do you know what a stupid man you are? And I go, why? He goes, you were using a $20,000 vase as your ashtray. <laughs> I go, what are you talking? He goes, the big vase that was next to you. You didn't know where to put your cigarettes, so you were putting them in this. The vase was bigger than me. And he goes, and I couldn't stop laughing because everybody <laughs> was looking at each other every time you flicked your cigarette in this vase. He goes, you're a very stupid man. <laughs> And it just, his delivery would just make me laugh my balls off. That's no, hilarious. I love those guys. And I go, you know, Larry Mills, the guy that got me into the comic strip when I started out, you know, and that's where it all started with the monologists. Yeah. You know, I, I've always hated that, that whole idea that there's like a good way to do comedy and then there's an easy way to do comedy. Because why is it that when I would go to see a guy like you or watch a guy like Joey Diaz, why is it that I laugh so hard? Like, what are you telling me? There's something wrong with because me? Because it's balls out. But it is balls out. No, I understand. But why is anybody saying that there's something wrong with that? Like, that's there's a weird you know, it's thing also, It's also the way you brought heads. up. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, these are very clean-cut guys. Yeah. You know, and I love Seinfeld. I like him as a person. I like him as a comic. But, they, they were, you know, these are guys that actually went to college. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how to talk to them. Right, you know, the you know, it's a different mindset, education-wise. I know. understand all that, but it's really it's it's a reservations. It's like they're they're reserved and uptight. Whereas when you you see someone like you or someone like Joey Diaz or saying something completely outrageous, they can't go with it. They can't just relax and go with it. They're restricted. They're 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 pulled back. Yeah, is that what they think? Yeah, there's something. There's they just can't cut loose. They, you can't be smart and enjoy a good dirty joke. Well, that's ridiculous. Then you. Obviously not smart enough because you should be laughing at almost everything you could possibly laugh at. Well, you know what? Let me see one of these fucking clean motherfuckers sell 300 arena shows and then I'll give it up for him. It's very hard to sell an arena if you're You know, clean. I mean, I did over 300 of those, Jesus you know, Christ. and nobody, you know, is ever going to top that ever. 300 You know, and arenas? I did it without, like, I don't What's even What's an really, arena officially? 14,000? How many thousand? It could go anywhere from 15 to, you know, the biggest one I did was 21,500. And it was a 41-minute sellout. Oh it was the Brendan Byrne in Jersey. 
And uh, I mean, the LA Forum, I sold out in a couple hours. 21,000 fucking people. Yeah, well, picture doing 100,000, you know, at the Rose Bowl with uh, being the middle act for Metallica and Guns N' Roses. So what what happens between doing these incredible arenas and then slowly sort of backing away from comedy a little bit, not doing as much? it, it It was a slow thing, though. I did the arenas for about six years till around 95. And that's when it didn't go sour. I mean, you know, at that point, you know, the movie career was sort of non-existent, you know, other than B-movies because of the backlash of my stand-up and the press. And so there were no big movies coming, you know, after Ford Fairlane, you know. But even with the arenas, I would do cut-down arenas, like 10,000 seats a night. And and that went on for a while. You know, then there were five, you know, you did. You know, in this day, you do 5,000 seats today, that's unreal. It's a lot of... You know, I mean, rock bands, you know, it's a different time. It's a recession. It's it's just a different time. So, you know, when I see a comic doing 1,500, 2,000 seats, maybe 2,500 seats, that's superstardom for a comic. You know, I mean, think about it. 2,000 people a night coming to see you is unreal. It's pretty weird. I just, you know, always had this thing in my head... You know, because I was so bad. Like I say, you know, my education was like non-existent. I mean, school was just more of a place to go and hang out and play the drums twice a day. You know, and if it wasn't for the drums and music, I, I probably would have never graduated high school. Because school just didn't interest me. You know, that's the bottom line. So, you know, I wasn't good in sports. Not that I wasn't a big I just wasn't. I just wasn't good at it. And, you know... By the time I was 12 years old, I was into all this stuff from doing impressions to playing the drums to, you know, that type of thing. And when I got into comedy and I saw the kind of guys you're talking about, very straight monologists, you know, I just wanted to be an actor and, you know, use the comedy stage to develop my acting chops. And and the dice thing happened. So I, I decided, well, if I'm going to stay in this game and be a comic... I want to create the most visually exciting comic people have ever seen in the world, ever. You know, and honestly, you know, when you see the special, and I got great respect for you and what you do, but you're going to respect the special. I will definitely I, respect it. You no, know, but, but I mean, you'll see what I mean, because I deliver exactly what, you know, all these fans I've had through the years want to see from me. And I like giving them what they want to see. I don't want to come up there all cleaned up with maybe, you know, not a tie, but, you know, a sport jacket and just black pants. I'm like, for what? Right. You know what I mean? This is how I like to dress. Uh, You know, I look good enough to dress in it, you know, so why not just deliver what they want to see and just pound them over the fucking heads with the filthiest shit (laughs) that I could come up with because we're living in the filthiest time with the filthiest fucking people you but know, yet the backlash is the strongest than it's ever been. You, you, you know, but but I don't care about the backlash anymore. Years ago, I did because I didn't get it. You know, because guys came before me, everybody from you know Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, guys like. So I'm going. What am I doing any different than them? You know what I mean? And so now I'm at a point in my life where if you don't like me, who gives a fuck for you? You know, I don't give a fuck if you see tomorrow. That's how I think about it. If a writer writes, if a journalist writes me up like a bad write-up, I'm like, well, what do I give a fuck? Do I know this person? 
Do I care what they fucking feel? Right. They're the ones writing me up. Well, and it's it's not it's never fair. Who anyway, gives a fuck for them, Joe? It's like uh, would a jazz critic review uh, a hip hop concert? No. Why would they? It doesn't make yeah, any but, sense. So for someone to be you know a, a comedy critic, it's like wow. You know, there's a lot of different kinds of comedy. You know, you just because you have a specific taste, a personal taste, doesn't mean the other comedy is yeah, bad. Because you know, I come it from. Means it's not for you. Well, I come from you know, like I said, like I like dealing. with... With, you know, I love seeing the uncomfortability of people yeah. in the front row. I, I love seeing... Well, it's live performance, and that's yeah. one of the fun yeah. aspects Yeah, and if, if you're all it. clean up there, like, you know, I just don't think I would have any fun. I have fun, like, watching a guy, like I said, like Gaffigan, or watching a guy like Seinfeld, but it's not the same kind of fun. Yeah, but, you know, Seinfeld's one of a kind. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's not the same kind of fun. It's still not the same kind of fun as, like, watching a guy like you. Because watching a guy like you, you'll say the most ridiculous shit ever. One of the things that was, it's I was all howling, I was howling, is when I came backstairs, uh, backstage afterwards, and I was talking to you about. It, I go, yeah, you're like, I don't do any research. Like we were talking because, about what, the, how to catch. Because it's comedy. Catch, yeah, it's just about the fucking land. <laughs> but it was like how you were just like breaking down the whole process. I do no research. Like well, I claim no responsibility. No responsibility. <laughs> if I was running for office, yeah. I'd have to do a little research. For comedy, that's why I try to explain in, in that album, The Day the Laughter Died, that it's just about funny. Right. I don't care what it is. Right. Just be fucking funny. And I got my rules. Like, I won't, you know, bring up a disaster where people get killed. You know what I mean? You won't I, make fun of John Travolta. You have strong yeah, rules. Yeah, I do have strong rules in that way. You know, like what happened with the hurricane. There's no jokes for me when it comes yeah. to that stuff. You know, because... You know, people are getting killed, and there's uh, mm -hmm. families that are mourning these people. So it's like, where do I have the right to make fun of that? Right. You know, so I try to stay away from that kind of stuff. But when it comes to sex, come on, it's just sex, so it's okay. Did you ever feel like at a time that you ever crossed the line, though? Like, did you ever say anything, whether it's about uh, immigrants or gay people or anything? No, not like, when, eh. it when it comes to people, you know, like, you know. You know, when I make fun of Asians and call them Chinamen, you know, it's just funny. It's a funnier word than Asian. You know what I mean? Chinamen, yeah. chink. It's all funny. You know, it's a great word. Well, if it was an angry Chinese dude, though, staring at you while you were talking. You know what? Like I, that. I do it right to, you know, I, I talk about fat girls. And sometimes I got chicks in the front row. And I'm going, all right, so how much does the fat girl I talk about have to weigh tonight? <sighs> Because I've had some beasts sit in the fucking front row. <laughs> and so row. you have to double her. But the like fat my wife weight. says, fat girls love me because I talk about them. But, you know, when I'm talking about a chick that's bigger than the bed I'm fucking her on, you know, it's funny. You know, because no girl in the crowd is going to go, well, I'm not bigger than an Eastern king. You know what I mean? Right. They look at themselves like little. Right. Because I'm not looking to hurt them. I'm just looking to be funny. Right. You know, and, and let them laugh too. Fat girls are allowed to laugh. They are, but you they don't particularly the fucking blubber starts to jiggle and shit. <laughs> they don't particularly like fat girl jokes, though. In my experience, oh really? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll it's tell just you, the, the fat girls in my crowd, they like it. <laughs> they really like it. They're they're literally rolling in the fucking aisle. You know, I've had a girl throw herself on the floor and start rolling around. That I'm looking like wow. this is hysterical. It happened once. To speak you know, I've, I've had a heckle fight with an 86-year-old woman. Really? That I had to come into the middle of a crowd on a New Year's Eve and just Where give was her this? a big kiss. It was in San Antonio, Texas. God damn. Yeah, and this 86, she was like, you know, I know they're not, whatever part of America, I don't follow the map that much with the geographical shit. 
but it's not. But she sounded southern. You know what I San mean? San Antonio, they, Texas. Yeah, they have that twang to them. Right. And she's like, it was like one of those skinny. She was eighty six or eighty seven. Slapping her knee, going, you dirty motherfucker. <laughs> you are a dirty... And she's as filthy as me. You know, that was one of my greatest heckles. And, and it's something I didn't get on. I wasn't even filming back. I was probably, <sighs> you know, 27, you know. And, yeah, I've had some great heckle fights in the days <laughs> where, where they would actually look to throw lines at you. Right. You know, rather than just being drunk. You fucking suck. Well, especially you know, the, what do you the do with store. That? The store is some of the worst places ever you for, know, for heckling. First of all, because there's no crowd control. And second of all, because Hollywood is always filled with people that are unhappy. They, most people are not achieving their dreams here. The majority of people are struggling. Yeah, they fail. Yeah, the majority. And you got a lot of like wannabe actors, wannabe musicians, wannabe... Yeah, if you're at the comedy store and go, well, what do you do? Well, I'm an actor. Okay, yeah. good for you. <laughs> but that guy could wind up a superstar. Oh, he you could, know, This yeah. is the place. You it's, know? Look, it is possible. But, but it's but fun to piss on it. There's a lot of that bitterness that's in the air, and there's a lot of that in the crowd. It was one of the reasons why it was such a good place to work out, because that was not an impressed audience. <laughs> yeah. They were not <laughs> impressed with you. I Did. got heckled the other day by a guy in a wheelchair, and he comes there, I guess, once in a while, but he can't talk or move. Like he has like one of those where he just has like a thousand computers and cell phones in front of him, and they put him right in the front. And he, wait a minute, he has cell phones and computers. It means he's in hooked front up to everything, like, but like a fax machine. Does his hands work? Yeah, like his hand. One hand works to move, and one hand's just pushing iPad buttons and stuff wow. and doing things. But uh, and he, he talks through that. He I, he doesn't really talk. He just goes like that. And so while you're on stage, he, they put him right in the front row too. The whole show, he's just going, and, but then he could, he'll say something that that means like he's like suck my dick, you know, and stuff like that, and he's just fucking saying these horrible things the whole time. And I then just he, like that he's attracted yeah, to you, <laughs> right? Wow, he wants you to blow him. But but no, he's like he's just tr- fucking with you, and he right. just fucks with every Obviously. single comic, and he sits there from like uh, it's like seven o'clock, whatever that 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 open mic show, all the way to like well, two why, in the morning. Why don't they kick him out? I, I don't know. It, it drives ridiculous. everybody crazy. Yeah, because that's a club like to work the new stuff out. Yeah. It always yeah. sucks when you have a guy that you just have to handle rather than work your material. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the other problem is when someone before you doesn't deal with the heckler, and then you got to go up, and then it's already out of control because they already feel like that's a part of the show. Yeah, and they like continue yeah. the bullshit. Well, and also, let's be honest, at the comedy store, there's a lot of fucking people that they, they just, for whatever reason, they're still doing stand-up, but they checked out a long time ago. Long they're time sort, ago. sort of going through the motions, and it's not very good material, and for whatever reason, they don't have any talent, for whatever reason. And you'll see them go on stage, and then the, these hecklers start eating them up. And then you have to go up and, and back clean up, you know, clean yeah. up on aisle nine. But you, you know, know what I Jesus do? When, when I do go on, I always make like there's nobody on before me. You know, and just start from zero. I don't care if somebody had a fight with somebody in the crowd. I'm not going up there to like it, like it's like you're saying, like mm-hmm. just one comic. You know, like the whole the whole lineup is one comic, right? You know, getting into it with this one person. Mm-hmm. You know, I just start from zero, and if somebody says something, dice mean comes out, and hopefully I handle it right there and then. The comic store was the best workout for that place. It's, it's the greatest. You know, I've gone so through a lot of stuff. You know, I used to get to open Fetty Murphy there all the time. Mitzi would use me to, no, to go on after him. Yes. Because nobody wanted to go on after him. Yeah. You know, and, that, you know, those kind of things are like an honor yeah. at that time. You know, and, you know, that's how you got to meet some of those guys. Like, 
you know, and Murphy was always like, and I didn't understand it at the time when he would be like nervous to go out there like on a Monday night in the main room. And I go, what are you nervous about? They're all here for you. You know, I didn't get it because once you have that fame, now you have to live up to it. Yeah. And I didn't, I was just excited about going on after the guy. You know, I got to follow Pryor at the store after the burn incident, uh-huh. and everybody was coming to see him. Yeah. I mean, you had Sammy Davis sitting on the floor with his legs folded. Wow. You had Burt Reynolds there with Sally Fields. You had De Niro there with <laughs> wow. Scorsese. Burt Reynolds and Sally Fields. And Field. I would come Holy up there shit. like I was playing a bowling alley and just go into it and wow. just make sure I kicked their ass every time. Mitzi putting you on after uh, Strong Axe was a, a big move for everybody. Big move for me. And one of the guys that I Who'd had to you follow, get to follow? Up, I followed you a lot. That's I followed you a lot in the early days, like in the 94-ish. Wow. And when I first started coming there, she would throw me on after you. I followed prior. Yeah, because you need an yeah, animal to yeah. follow an animal. And not only that, it's, uh, it's good for you to go on after someone strong. Because you realize you can't have any fluff in your act, you can't have any bullshit. You got to cut right to the funny stuff. You got to you know, impress them right away, get them right off the bat, hold on to them. Get, you know, it was like it's a good exercise in learning. Like especially when they loved the guy before, like you would be up fucking destroy, and then some unknown person has to go on after you. Yeah, you know, but that's what she. Yeah, would do. that's where Mitzi was makes, great. Yes, she would great. pick the right guy for that. Yeah, and, Martin and, Lawrence. I used to go on after going after him a lot. Yeah, I never, I never followed Martin. When, Eddie, I followed. When Martin was in his prime, I'll tell you, Martin did not have as long a prime as a lot of people did for whatever reason, and he got into movies, and mm-hmm. he kind of doesn't do as much specials anymore. And I love him. He's like one He's of my all-time favorites. fucking hilarious. And oh my God, he destroyed the main room at the, at the comedy store one yeah. night. Yeah. Just no, he destroyed leveled it. the place, and I had to go on after him. Because Oof. he was just funny. Yeah. You know, just to look at him is funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he knew it, and he'd play off of it. Yeah. You know, he's one of my favorites. I mean, I felt like a, a rank amateur when I had to go on after him. I was yeah, like, because oh, especially if it's one of those nights in the yeah. main room where, where that guy's audience oh, is yeah. there. As soon as I got on stage, them. most people got up and left. It was, it was only like maybe 20% of the people stayed. And even them, I was just like this. But he's out there now. He's doing concerts. Is he doing it again? Yeah. He is. I mean, I don't know how big it is. I don't know, you know, the schedule. But, but I know he was at the <sighs> store really working stuff. You well, know, that's great. I, I hope he can bring it back to form you the know, way he was when he, he was on top of it. You know what? He's, he's great. He's great in the movies. But I love him. I love Eddie Murphy, you know, as far as, you know, raw comics go. But Martin, I always loved him the best because it was his actions on stage. And he's yeah. a guy that knew how to play the stage. Yeah. Great you know, he'd performer. be all over the place. I mean, I loved his first special. You know, what, what was your first years at the store? What year was it? Uh, I came out there. Still, it was it was the beginning of seventy nine, February seventy nine. Wow, the fucking seventies! Holy shit! And you guys were living in that house on yeah, Crest Hill. Yeah, Crest Hill. I almost bought that place. Couldn't have a big enough yard for the dogs, though. I had yeah, to, there is no yard. There's no you yard. Just fall off yeah. the mountain. Yeah, but I I, I looked at it. Well, I, I lived in that house for six years. Time. That, that's a, that house was crazy. That house has got some fucking history to it. Yeah. That's a crazy house. Yeah. That's the only reason why I was thinking about it. I was like, this is just such a historic place. Everybody, you know, Robin used to come up there all the time. Yeah. You know, th- some of the bigger name co- And I wouldn't even talk to these guys. I would never talk to a, a big name celebrity unless they, they would talk to me. You know, and because uh, I, I know what they're thinking the minute you say hello. What movie are you doing and what's my part? Right. You know, right. so I would never bother. Even when Robin would come up to the house, I would like, just stay away, you know. 
And uh, I mean, great talent, but I wouldn't look to get in his face and go, well, I'm doing this. Right. And I, I used to have to follow him, too, at the store. Well, you knew intuitively that it would be annoying as fuck. Well, you know, that, that's what gets me when I go there. You know, these guys, you know, they cross the boundary a lot of times. Yeah. You know, and then they want, you know, it starts with the pictures and, you know, I'm a comic and, you know, they want to be buddy-buddy and once, and I can't, you know, I don't work that way. Yeah, some guy hit me with a fucking a sales pitch the other day after a show. He just, cool, I'm yeah, taking photos. Yeah, they don't photos. let you come down from the show. Yeah, but I was taking photos with this whole line of people and this guy just starts rattling off the sales pitch and just, I mean, it's going on for like several minutes and I'm just supposed to listen and I just can't, start and up the and this and that. And, I, and after a while I go, dude, stop. I go, I can't do that, stop. I don't have any time for anything, and I'm definitely not going to go into business with you. I don't even know you. This is crazy. But yeah, the fucking cross- sales pitch was just ready, go. Like, this is his opportunity. But that's also what, what you know. It's misdirected like a, energy it's, is what it's it is. It's the new generation. See, that's what yeah. gets me. Like, you know, when you grow up and all you're doing is looking down at your phone, you know, when it finally you hit that age where you have to start communicating face-to-face with people, they don't know how to do it. Right. you got to shake someone's hand that's like shaking a fucking limp fucking dick. Yep. You know, they don't even know how to give a firm grip. Yeah. You know, what the fuck is that about? What is that about? No, but I'm serious. That says something about somebody's character. Well, You know, if you can't say, yeah, how you doing? You know, and it's like, I'm like, what is that? It's for a lot of people. It's not good to be manly. No people skills, I'm telling you. They don't want to be manly. They can't handle it. It's not about being mad. They just don't know how to relate to you unless they're texting to you. Right. Or emailing to you. They just don't know how to have conversation. Yeah. You know. There's definitely a lot of that going on. There's, well, there's a lot of people that are growing up in a society that is more and more encouraging people to control themselves and to calm themselves down and to not have as much fun and to be more conscious of how other people are going to view things. If and a be kid has more a fucking personality and, in school, they yeah. want to put them on Ridlin. Yeah, you know, true. I mean, it's the crate. They want kids sitting like mute. And they want to pretend that school is interesting. It's not interesting. Like the whole policy of breaking a child down, getting them to sit in position and absorb information that they don't find attractive. That whole policy is conditioning someone to just listen and be a fucking drone. That's what it is. It's not the best way to learn by far, by any stretch of the imagination. A best way to learn would be some sort of a one-on-one instruction where, you know, you get to explain to them things over and over again and but, you, you know, get to answer all questions. But I will and, say, when we went to school, at least you could have a personality mm-hmm. in that classroom. Yeah. Today, if you're not just quiet and sitting there, like you're saying, right. you know, you're not a good student. Well, that's mad. Sit, this, the quiet and sitting there is the madness. The, well, abil- the ability saying. to just sit there. I remember when I was a little kid and they would m- want me to sit down. You'd be all of a sudden like you're listening to something that's not fun at all. You know what? After w- you'd just gotten done running around with your friends. And I, I wonder what even goes on now because of the phones and the, the iPads and mm-hmm. all the shit they bring to school now. You know, does that even, you know. Like, well, do, you, do your kids tell you with that stuff? I'm sure they're listening to music in class with their headphones on. Yeah, I'm on saying, and, what must you know. go, it must drive the teachers fucking berserk. Yeah, it must. And you know what? This is just, wait till they got those fucking Google glasses. And, you know, you, they have these glasses that they're coming out with that you wear, and you, you're seeing things in the glasses, like emails, and you can That's go to websites. <laughs> yeah, it's especially the glasses like yours, nice big ones. This is a big-ass yeah, screen. nobody will see you anybody. You can see all your shit up there. You can see all your photos. You can be fucking you flipping through them by using your <laughs> finger in the air. 
I'm not joking. No, but it's funny. It's if crazy. You think you're sitting in class like this. You like will literally, you'll be able to do that and do that in front of your eyes and make them move, and you'll be able to pick ones and stretch yeah, and how them. Teacher's going to deal with that shit. They're not. They're going to have to have rules. You yeah, know, with that shit. It'll be a called a like a no touch interface. It'll all be like finger movements. You just be doing things with your finger. It's going to be fucking insane, and. So- that's just the beginning, you know? It's it's going to keep going further and further until you get something implanted into your fucking eyeball. They have contact lenses, too, now that do it. Uh, I don't, you know, uh, that's not for me. <laughs> I don't believe in contacts. I never did. But the contact lenses that allow you to see I just don't believe in contacts. Them. Not at all? No. Nothing? Why? I just don't believe in them. But you believe in glasses? Yeah, definitely. Have you ever thought, do you have, like, a, a Lasix issue? Could you go do no, that? No. no? I'm just, you wouldn't uh, do it? I'm just nearsighted. Oh, okay. You know, so I try to wear like sunglasses that people could see through. You know, during the you could see me good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you so nearsighted means things that are close to you? You have a hard time no, seeing things that are like kind of far away. Oh, so you see things close, fine. Yeah, but things that are. Hmm, I thought that was yeah. When you're far sighted, that's where you can't see things right here. That's me, man. Yeah, I'm jacked. Do you wear glasses? No, it's not that bad. I mean, I can like I can read my it's phone. It's pretty bad. Shit. Yeah. Is it bad? But let yeah, me ask you really now that you really put bad? out it's the, way worse this than my special. Dad. No, it can't be your dad has glasses. I know, but like he can actually like still look at his phone. If well, he I can look at my phone. What are you talking about? You're exaggerating. Yeah, I'm, how I big's your read. text? It's not big. I stopped doing that. Oh, now second. that you put out your special, are you going to tour? Um, I you know, question you. You're always yeah. asking me. All you know these what I'm questions. doing right now? Um, I'm writing. I want to see if I'm any good at this podcast. Write, writing a gang of new. You totally would be good. That's what I was saying before. I you don't should think totally I do would a podcast. Be, because yes. if I get people on I don't like, I'm not going to be so nice. That's good. That's good. That's even better. Yeah. That's even more fun. Nah, but I don't want to just shred people. But you don't podca- have to. I'll, I'll have a podcast on well, for three when, weeks. When people you know, and you I don't want to be on there. When you and I talk, we don't shred each other. You know, we like each other. Yeah, but I'm saying it wouldn't automatically be you not liking the people. You're assuming that. I don't think it's necessary. Because I don't get along with a lot of people. Yeah. You know, and, you I know, think be and that's in right? real life. That's not right. on stage. Well, you and yeah. I have always gotten along, and uh, I think had a, a big part of it had to be that I, I was a huge fan when I was a kid. I remember I was hanging out. No, but out it's this. like you brought up last time about the first time we talked, yeah. because you know I, I was starting to know your history a little with the, the TV show and stuff. And that's why I spoke to you about the road. Uh-huh. You know, I was like, you don't go on the road? Yeah. You have a sitcom on the air. Like, what are you waiting for? Right. You know, and, and that's, I think that's when you really started going out there. Yeah, it was really good advice. It wasn't advice. coarse of me, but it was no, the it was, natural It was very good advice, and I didn't even think about it. And also, I was just assuming that I would always have a sitcom role, which is really dumb. Because, like, why would you assume that the, any those things never last, you know? And it lasted yeah, for five, five years. years. But, but once I started going on the road, that's when my stand-up really got a lot better. Because the one thing I could tell with you when you're on stage is you love it. See, that's the key. And you never lost that love for it. It's you the most did, fun you thing I did. another special. No, it's fun. It's still fun. It's too fun. Are I mean, you going to tour a lot now with this? I'm trying to write a lot of new shit right now. So um, I've got at least 40 new minutes of new stuff uh-huh. and then a, a gang of stuff in the notebook that I have do to break out. Do you actually sit and write it? Or yeah, you I just write. just go on stage? I do both. I do a lot of making up on stage. There's uh-huh. a lot of shit like I'll go on Yeah, tangents. you'll have an idea. Yeah. You know. But there's a lot of it that I actually sit in front of a computer and write. I think to get the best results, I like both. I like actual writing, sitting down, writing things out, and then I like performing. Yeah, my son and Max, he loves to around. write it. You know? I just think that when you take a lot of time, when you sit in front of a computer taking a lot of time, you're going to come up with more possibilities than you will in the moment. You know, like in the moment is great too, but I think it's not an either, even or an either or thing. Rather, I think for comedians, I think it's important to both write, like to sit down and actually work on your shit by yourself, 
and to do it on stage and just ad lib and fuck around. That's how I have the best results. That's how I always tell you. Like young guys, they say, what should I like to write on stage? I'm like, keep doing that. Definitely keep writing on stage. But you should also write. You should also sit down and write because well, you get the most out see, of it. See, I can't. I I only do it on stage. Only that's on stage. where I'll I'll come up with stuff. Not that I'm a genius with it. You know, it doesn't happen every night. So you have you don't ever sit down with like a notebook or anything. Never, wow. Never. wow. You know, that's and and what I love is you know uh, you know that I finally you know to give her a little credit. She doesn't want to be on the air or anything, but she'll tailor the bit. Like, if I come up with something and it goes a little too long, mm-hmm. she'll explain why it's got to be. She really gets it, you know, and I'll shorten the bit up and I'll be on stage and I'll kill with it. I'll be like, how the fuck does she know? <laughs> you know, because she, she wants anything but the limelight. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like she just gets it. You know, she'll go, you don't understand. Once you hit this point, you don't have to go further with mm-hmm. it. That's it. That's the joke. End it there. You know, and because of her, her Latin background, it's like, all right, I'll end it there. But she's normally right, ninety nine percent of the time. She, it'll be killer. It's a funny thing with stand up comedy. Like you, you know, you never know like where the bit's gonna go when you first start it. You start adding on well, to it, and but my attitude, it out like, and, like I would never listen to anybody about what I do on stage, especially a non comic, and she's not a comedian. You know, it would be like, look, when I'm on stage, do me a favor, stay out of it. You know, I didn't become who I am because uh, I was listening to my girlfriends. Right. You know what I mean? But she really gets it. And every time she comes up with something and I do it, it kills. I know which, a lot which of comics. Angers me. A lot of comics like to work with uh, people. They like to like. Uh, I know, like Chris Rock, when he would do a special, he would work with a, a team of guys. He yeah, well, that, that's a different. Nick DiPaolo, and they would c- come up with the bits and you know work on them together. DiPaolo's a good comic. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think any comic that's a really great comic. And I think DiPaolo's great. Yeah, he's you know, a great comic. But I don't think he's going to look to write a better act than he has for somebody else. <laughs> it's true. It's it's just in that's your head. True. You're not right. going to... Right. If you come up with something fantastic you when you're writing for something, you're going to go, shit. you know what? I'm going to put this on the side. <laughs> yeah. This is for me. I'll give credit. That's why I also believe in being an original. Like yeah. that it, you know it comes from you. Yeah, I think that's important. You know, when I hear that a guy had a, a bunch of writers help him well, work on a special, it's just... But I don't that's why you also went like nuts with... Um, you know, with the Mencia thing, when, when he was stealing it, you know. That guy was. It, he, that's stealing material, but I'm talking about when others are writing it for you. Yeah. It's like how it doesn't feel organic. Coming it doesn't, but I don't care. That doesn't bother me. I don't think that a musician should have to sing his own songs that he wrote. I don't think that a comic should have to tell. I think if one of your friends writes a joke for you, you should be able to do it on stage. You know, and if Wheels you, actually comes up with great stuff for me. Does he really? Yeah. And, and there's it, nothing wrong with that. But, but, I, but, but I feel like, you but know. But he knows me so well. Uh-huh. If I, if I'm doing like a bit on the hairy box, you know what I mean, you know verse, you know the bald monkey, whatever the fuck they want to call right. it today, you know, like I'll just call him up and I'll start coming up with stuff and he'll just add these things and I go, why don't you do that for you? Right. You know what I mean? Because he's such a peculiar character. He's a very yet peculiar when he, character. When, when he comes up with something for me, you know, I'll just like do it and kill with it. It could just be. Well, he did get me banned from one TV show here. Wheels did? Because I listened to him. There's something wrong with me. Like <laughs> Wheels, Wheels tried to tell me that he was like a, a pool genius. hustler. He's a, you know what he's doing? He's got an entertainment company, Blue Light Entertainment. He's got a catering company. I heard his food's very good. It is. That's what's so nuts. I had some of it at the comedy store way back. The cannoli kids. Yeah. He'll love that I'm saying this, too. 
you know, but but he really come like I, I went a couple years ago and I had to do another morning show. You know, and I was getting heavy into the technology stuff about the phones, this and that. So as I'm driving there, he's talking to me. He goes, all I want you to say if you bring up technology is that you don't have a BlackBerry and the only thing you want black is laying underneath you and it's got a big fat ass and the only thing you want buried is your face in it. That's your BlackBerry, you know? So I do it. <laughs> Just the way he tells me to do it and you could feel the ass stop. In the st it's eight in the morning to Los Angeles. So I'm going, yeah, I, I don't believe in the phone thing, you know? I don't like those blackberries. The only thing I want black is normally underneath me with a big fat ass, and the only thing buried is my face in it. And then it's just quiet in the studio, and you felt it, you know. And, you know, of course, my publicist was told he could never be on the show again. Does he even know what, what he's... What the fuck did they think they were going to get? If they're well, bringing it, it's no, hilarious. But, but I was just so into the joke right. driving there then I didn't think it was that bad. I'm going, well, I'm not cursing, you know. It's not and, that bad. And they, yeah, it's not if that they know bad. No, it's you. But, it's Andrew Dice Clay. What but eight in the morning so when, when people are shaving and getting ready for work, you know, <laughs> and there's, there's a black woman on screen with me right next to me, they're looking like, what the fuck is this? So, so today when I did this uh, other, you know, Fox News, I, I was – Nice. You worry about them uh, sabotaging you or setting you up or, you know, like uh, ready to no, You know, go those kind you. of shows, they're always very cool with me. So I always felt bad about the, the Blackberry joke because uh -huh. I wasn't looking to offend anybody. I was just looking to be funny. Right. You know, and it, to me, it was a funny joke. Well, they and, should, and Wheels they should told understand. me to say it, which they should ban him. They should understand, first of all, that you're a dirty comedian. You've always been. Yeah, but, they shouldn't but be shocked I'm, by that. But I'm also an adult. That shouldn't be listening to my friend, you know, telling me to do this joke on the way to the radio, the, the, the TV station. I don't see that being your fault. I think people are too fucking I uptight. think it's Wheels' fault. I think. I, we could blame Wheels you if know. you would like. But he I, I would is, rather he is blame funny. the news people. I remember funny. that time when you were on CNN. Well, that guy had it coming. That, that guy was, was an ridiculous, it. but it was great. That was also a, a good viral video for you because uh, people, like, it was clear you know that it didn't make any sense that this guy was saying that you like you, you ran a gym for a while. Well, and... I just did uh, another CNN thing that'll air on uh, Saturday. That actually, uh, uh, Alan Duke was the interviewer, and Tom Green produced it. Tom you Green, know? the comedian. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He uh, he had a, we did a two camera shoot for oh, this interview. Cool. Oh, he's great. And I can't believe how his hand. You know me. I'm always doing the filming, mm -hmm. but. And he's holding this heavy camera, and he's, he just becomes a filmmaker at that mm -hmm. point. You know, he's really great. I'm good friends with Tom. I, I love Tom sure Green. He's phenomenal. we got to get him back in here, Brian. You yeah. talk to him, right? He, yeah. Yeah, uh, me and Tommy G. That's his, he's a good dude. That's his tough guy name, Tommy he's, G. So you guys did another. Who was the guy who did the original interview with you? The one where you yelled well, at him? Well, that guy, you know, the guy that interviewed me was basically saying that guy's like, you know, that was it. You know, that guy made a mistake. He paid the price. And uh, that was it, because he is a CNN reporter that had no facts about it. Yeah, did, did that, here it is right here. Yeah. That, Turn this on. <laughs> back. For a while, for a while you were I actually, do, you, you, know know running, I mean? you were running a gym. Tell us about that. Running a gym? Weren't you running you a getting, gym at some point? You're supposed to be a news guy. Where are you getting your That's fucking information? That's our research. You aren't, you this aren't? This is ridiculous. I come on CNN, and the guy don't even know what he's talking about. Go ahead. You, at no point were you running a gym? Um, 
No, no, running a gym. What, no, you need a workout or something? Jesus fucking Christ with these guys. I come on the news for two seconds, and, and you want to say, every All time right. I do an interview, a guy wants to open his fucking mouth. Can't All right, even Andrew, do a little thank fucking you very much. Here. We thought that you, you could know, hold go back. fuck yourself, you know what? All right. <laughs> Listen to this we'll now. go Listen, back to uh, talking about Art Carney. Asshole guy. <laughs> That's my favorite we'll be back in just a moment to fill you in on the Art Carney situation. Yeah, yeah. That guy's face. gone. That's it for yeah, him. He, huh? He's you he know, vanished. Any career he might have had is over. Yeah, how could you just ask someone and say that your research shows he owned a gym? That was the internet back then. Well, you want to know something? What, what was crazy is, and the guy knew it, that the next night I was at the Beacon Theater and it was oversold. It was so gone. Why like, was he trying to pretend that you, uh, you know, that you, you know went what? away I, from stand up and that you weren't weren't doing it and were running a gym? Like, why was he? The way I would put it, I go, his mommy probably didn't like me, you know. So he was like going to get me for her, this little cocksucker. Wonder where that you guy know? is right now. I'd like to Tosh point out where he is. He's now delivering yeah. newspapers. That's where he is. That's Go a good Tosh point out for that, sure. That'd be a real good Tosh point out. Yeah. Find what out is that, that guy's guy name? Now. I don't even know his name. I don't know. You are you friends with Tosh? I don't know him. I don't know him. He's a good guy. I watched the show a little bit. Very good guy. Very funny guy, too. But that would be uh, an interesting thing. Yeah, we're going to need to find out Homeboy's name. The internet will tell us. Hey, on Twitter, who's that fucking guy? Who's that fucking guy and where is he? All right. Yeah, what's he doing? (laughs) See if we can get him. Look at look how focused he is. Maybe he'll be a good guy to interview, uh, and you could play that. (laughs) You have us on together. Yeah, that would be too intimidating for him. Give a chance for him to apologize. He wouldn't do it. He'd be yeah. sad. He'd be sad face. Well, I, I forgot how many, but that got millions of hits. That thing. oh, I'm sure it did. You know, I watched it at least twenty. <laughs> you know, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was great because because you know when you're doing especially CNN, which yeah. is you know, is aren't they the top news show yeah. in the world? How don't you have some facts? Right. I mean, you you have way more facts than this guy ever had. You know, and you're a comedian. Well, he was what he was doing was just sort of judging you as a joke. You know, he was like, "Well, here we go. We're doing an interview with some." You know, like his well, thing he paid the price. It wasn't that he Let's he was talk a little bit about uh, diminishing where you. You, of course, you were you were a headline guy, I'm and still then a headline guy. You know what you, I mean? For a while, you popped out. Now you're coming back. For a while, for a while, you were actually do, you, were you, know running, I mean? you were running a gym. Stop. Tell us about that. Yeah, that I never understood. <laughs> running a gym. Well, everybody wants to think that just you, you have to have all of your information and you have to have all your ducks in a row and your facts checked to be on television. That's just not the case. Like you could get on one of those shows and have ridiculous opinions, and then they fucking fire you. I mean, it's happened a million times before. Well, this, this guy really paid, I think. He, vis- he disappeared, yeah. you know? But he probably sucked anyway. I mean, he pr- that, that was a shitty interview. Like, why would he talk to you like that? Because he's an asshole. Because exactly. he didn't do his, any fact-checking. Because, because, like I said, he, you could tell this isn't a guy that would be into dice. Well, you not know only I mean? that, he's also But even if guys. you're not, don't these guys talk to everybody? He they- ha- yeah, he has a, uh, that fake way of talking. You know, that sort of fake on-television way of talking. Oh, and when he came out, really I, I could tell something was up because, you know, I was trying to like, you know, a little pre, not a pre-interview, but, you know, how you doing, mm-hmm. what's going before you sit down and talk. Right. And he was like ignoring me, you know, and I was actually there with, with Eleanor and Happy Face. He was ignoring you because he didn't want to talk to you until no, the I cameras could ju- on? No, I could just, fe- no, there <clears> were no cameras on us. But what I mean, he didn't want to talk to you until the cameras on, maybe. 
Yeah, like like how don't you even when you do a talk show, they come over to you for a few minutes, you know, the host before you go on. This guy didn't even want to talk, and um, I, I wish Eleanor was here to tell the story because when when you're sitting there doing the interview behind you, you know, it's it, it's in New York and it's just a full floor of people with computers on a desk. So Eleanor said, when you first cursed. She goes, you're talking about a couple hundred people on this floor with computers. Everything stopped, and they all just looked up at their computer. And then it continued, and then everybody, like, leaned forward to go, is this really airing right now? (laughs) Like, they couldn't believe it was airing. And then we just, like, ran out of there and got in a cab like we we just robbed a bank. Well, CNN is not broadcast television. So CNN is not held to the same restrictions that the FCC imposes on NBC or CBS uh-huh. or ABC. That's a cable. So when you're on cable, you can say shit. We can say whatever you want. It's up to whether or not your advertisers are willing to still support you while you do that. Uh-huh. So you weren't breaking any laws. But if you had done that on like ABC Nightline News or something like that, then you would have broken a law. And then, then shit, if they've found you like that you did it willing, you mean you could slip up. I, I just fucking got, oh, sorry. You know, you could yeah. have one of those situations. But if you clearly like, like this fucking asshole over here and like, <laughs> you know, clearly like that today, I think is like, that's a serious fine. I think that's like a quarter million dollars. And I think you can. To the know, person saying it? Yeah, you can get in a lot of trouble for yeah, that. I got to remember that. I'm glad yeah. I didn't But the way you did it on uh, CNN. His well, name's not on Peter Arnett, I believe. That's his name. When you did it on CNN, though, that was it was like just doing it on HBO. It's like the same thing, really. This Cable. guy probably just sits there all day and go, "Everybody has seen this. <laughs> just everybody has seen well, this." Well, another half a million are going to see it now. Yeah, that's, that's silly for fuck. sure. The silly fuck. It's the Rogan podcast. It's very funny when you have a guy like that. Those guys, they kill me. Those button-up guys. That's not him. That is not the guy. That's what he turned into with. Yeah, he fucking (laughs) gained 150 pounds, started a slumping. Fucking jerk off. He's still a jerk off for doing that. Well, maybe he feels bad and he's not anymore. No? Never forget? Never forget? He feels bad? (laughs) Probably not. The only thing he regrets is that that happened. That's all. Yeah. Well, unless he evolved. Maybe he went on a mushroom trip somewhere. Maybe he went down to Peru, got his brain cleaned out. It's possible. I don't like him. I don't, I don't want. I don't want to get a fine. No. Well, you don't get a fine on the internet. The internet, you can do whatever the fuck you want. That's, That's why what, this I love exists. this show. It's so relaxed here, <laughs> babe. You having a good time here so far? Yeah. Mrs. Okay. Dice Clay. Mrs. Dice Clay. In the background. She doesn't go on the air. Yeah, you, it's cool that you guys uh, that you have this like happy touring thing too. Like you guys are happy together in Vegas, having a good time. Like you bring your family out, you have your kids open for you. Well, yeah. Eleanor's your friend; she's there. Like you have like a nice happy. Yeah, it's my little group. Yeah, it's nice. You know, the sister wives, the whole thing. I like how you did it in Vegas too, because I'd always wondered whether or not someone. I don't even know what that Vegas means. Like a workout room. No, I, I love that. But now I'm actually moving uh, to the Hard Rock in Vegas. And uh, well, yeah. But what what I meant was like I always wondered like if you went to Vegas like would you have to have the same act over and over again or could you use you're the first guy that I heard of that like used Vegas like you said like the store just go there yeah but it's a tourist town and... so every week you got a different audience yeah. a different convention yeah. I, I don't know why you don't do it more you're right I should I probably because should so many comics are moving there living there you know well I'm doing it in February I'm uh, I'm at the uh, Mandalay Bay the big room. Uh, on uh, February 1st, 
and it's the day before the UFC. It's basically the same. They, they cut You're it gonna in half. You're going to like that. I've done that room, too. It's where, yeah, but I can't sell that many tickets. So they, they cut it in half. And then yeah, but even cut in half is eight hundred. You know, it's eight hundred seats cut. No. I know the room. I've done it a lot. No, it's more than that. It's, it's a, it's a no, the room thousand. is like sixteen hundred. Sixteen thousand? You mean? No, sixteen. Which room are you talking about? In the Mandalay Bay, they got a big showroom. Oh no, 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 no! They're doing it in the event center where they oh, have I don't the know. fights. It's where they have the fights. Oh, you're doing it in there? Yeah, they cut off half the room to do the weigh-ins. It's actually not even half the room. It's more like a third of the room. Uh-huh. So, the, the so how many that seats? I play, it's like. I think it's like close to four thousand. Yeah, but you know you get a tremendous yeah. following. Yeah, no, yeah. no, it's 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 a great place. But I'm saying that I, that's what I usually do. I only do like what that would you be happy now with? Two thousand people showing up for you? Yeah, we've done that before. Yeah, we've done that a couple of times. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, you know, we just, we just want to make sure it's fun. Alan Chernoff is his name. Alan Chernoff. Yeah, here is. Oh, there's here's Alan. There he is. Alan, you what's he doing bitch? today? He sits. Uh, he sits on the board as an advisor for. Uh, hold on, I'll tell you right now. He sits on the board of the Deadline Club as a career advisor for Brown University. <laughs> <laughs> Anything but in front of a camera. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a that's a strange gig. I hope he's happy. What's the name again? Uh, Alan A L L A N Chernoff. C H E R N O F F. You see, Alan, you never got me down. <laughs> you never got me down, Alan. I'm still standing, Alan. Do you know Doug Stanhope is friends with the real Jake LaMotta? I love Doug Stanhope. Doug Stanhope lives in Bisbee, Arizona. So does Jake LaMotta. And Jake LaMotta comes over his house and plays poker. That's great. <laughs> yeah, there's photos of the two of them together. But Stanhope himself yeah. is hysterical. Yeah. We did a show at the Wiltern together uh, last Friday. Uh-huh. From the end of the Mayan calendar show. And uh, it was uh, Stanhope, Diaz, me, and a band. It was really fun. It was pretty crazy. That's a good show, too. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was. The, the, Who was the, the band? Honey, Honey. They're friends of ours. They've been on the uh-huh. podcast a few times. Really, really talented band. They're like almost like kind of countryish, kind of like rockish country. Like they play a lot of banjos and shit. The girl has a tremendous voice. Guy's a great songwriter, great musician, really cool people too. So they opened up the show. They did like four four songs. Then Diaz went out and laid Diaz flat. is doing great. Ah, oh, couldn't be doing better. Yeah. He's killing them everywhere. He's and, doing a podcast too, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Church of What's Happening Now. Yeah. But he's also. I, I think he might even be there now, where I play at the Riv, at uh, the Starlight Theater. He's they're they're talking to him about doing something. I don't know whether or not he's yeah, decided yeah. whether or not he's going to do it. I think he was trying to make up his mind whether or not he was going to do that or not. But um, I think it's a great idea for him because it's a quick flight. It's a 40-minute flight. He lives in yeah, Burbank. It's, you you know, know what? It's the best gig yeah. right now in the country for a comic. You, you know, you make it very, sound very appealing. I just uh, – the idea of, like, living in Vegas. No, but you don't have so, to live no. there. You yeah. know, you could just go – you, you just drive. See, we drive it all the time. We don't even fly. Oh, uh, yeah? You know, we'll drive it, you know, and it's become so – no Such a regular home. drive for us. It doesn't right. feel like a long time. You know, we do it in four hours. Right. What's the best tip? Like, what's the best time to go? Do you have any tips to drive? Oh, when you're driving there? Yeah. About anywhere between 12 and 1. A.M.? No. no. No, in the morning? Yeah. No, you know, in the afternoon, afternoon you fuck. Afternoon. <laughs> you get it wrong okay. twice. Yeah, so we've possible. come home at night a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll get home like five in the morning. Because getting stuck on that drive is the you know, worst. I've been stuck on that drive. I stopped. No, no, but I could go when, when everybody's, you know, at work. So um, the going to the Hard Rock, that um, is it in the new wing? You know, there's uh, all those uh, those new... No, no, no. It's, it's, where, it's right near where the joint is. 
You know, okay. yeah. it's it's when you first come in, like you go to your right, it's right in that area. I know exactly where it is. I saw you know. that. There was a band there when I was there. Yeah, well, that room, the uh, vinyl is is a rock and roll room where they put like new rock bands. That's perfect for you. How many seats is You know, that? well, it'll seat about 400. And you do that once a month? You know, yeah, I'll do it like two weekends out of the month, you know, two four-day weekends. Wow. So we spend like a week and a half there and then we come home. I got to start doing something like that. I'm, trying I'm to telling you. One, I'm trying to do one January 9th. I'm trying to find a room for AVN. I want to do a comedy show there with Sam Tripoli, but I have no but idea. But there were so going. many kind con- You could use uh, the Laugh Factory that uh, Harry Basil just opened there. Oh, yeah. There's a Laugh right, Factory there? Right in the Tropicana. Really? Yeah. Is it Jamie Masada it, connected? Yeah. And it's the Laugh Factory. And uh, Harry Basil. You know Harry Basil, right? No. No, he doesn't. You're not friends with Basil Tone? He's not. Do you know? He know him? You know, I know who he is. Yeah. yeah, he's a comic. I really don't know him. Though. He actually opened for Rodney for like twenty years, and uh, so they just opened this club. Maybe how long ago, Val? About six months. It's only open like six months. Oh yeah, but get, get I in contact with Jamie then. I hear it's beautiful. I hear it's you know it's a good size room. Yeah, and it's doing well. It's kicking ass, and there's a lot of comedy clubs, but that would be one of the best. Does Vegas have a comedy scene? Do they yeah, have open well, mic nights or anything? Well, you have uh, a, a lot of them do, but you got a lot of clubs there now. You know, uh, you got the Brad Garrett room, you got right. the Laugh Factory, right? Um, you got you, th- there's a comedy club right at the Riviera downstairs from the Starlight Theater. There's you know, the, it's the Riviera Comedy Club, right? Um, you have, yeah, I did that. You know, uh, I know, you know, downtown, there's a lot of clubs. I I never Mm -hmm. go downtown, but. Who books the Riv these days? It's not Steve Shrip anymore. No, I think. um, There's no way you would keep that after the Sopranos. No. No, it's it's just the Riviera books. For folks who don't know, the the big guy in the Sopranos. What was his character in the Sopranos' name? Uh, Bobby. Bobby. Bobby is Steve Sharippa. We've known Steve like forever. For years. Before he was ever an actor, he was uh, the guy who ran the Riviera. You know what? Yeah. I would get crazy with him too because I think he's a talented guy and he's really likable. You know, and when he was doing the Sopranos, like one of the last, I'm like, where's the new show you're gonna do? Because even though he played a gangster, he's still this lovable guy. And I'm going. Right. You gotta have an ABC sitcom after this. You're the father of three. It's that simple, right? You know, and and I'm still waiting for it because I love that guy. It's a lot. Of, it's hard for a lot of those guys to transition from a show that's that memorable. But 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 not all of them. See, a lot of them were real tough guys, like just from from real life guys mm-hmm. that have been in jail. You know, some of them were, were real actors. But but Sharippa, even though he was with the gangsters. He still has that likability, you know, right. that he could have transitioned very easily. You should try to find out. He might, you know, he it. might still. They're yeah. airing The Sopranos again. Are they really? Yeah. You should try to find out if you could do it at the Riviera. Yeah. Yeah, the Riviera Co- Comedy Club, that's a good spot. That's well, how like, big a room you want? I want like 100, like a smaller room, 150. Riviera I, I, Comedy Club, that, yeah. that's easy. I could probably help you with that. Yeah, oh, what, is the, what is the Riviera's hold? Does it hold 150, maybe? Well, the Comedy more? Club the probably comedy holds club. about 300. Does it? Okay. And then the place upstairs where you were at? That holds like 575, something w- like that. Was that the place where that uh, Mark Marino used to have, or Frank Marino used to have his drag queen show? I think so. Yeah. There's like a There's famous- a couple theater. It's the only theater I saw on the Riv. There's also a thousand seat theater just like that. And by the way, you got to use up the word drag queen while you can before they decide to. You tell can't you call them yeah, that. It's too insensitive. You're not supposed to use twink anymore. Do you know that? 
Even gay guys get in trouble for using the word twink. twink. I like. I never heard it till this second. <laughs> you never what heard is of twinks? It? Twink in the gay community. A twink is like a small, hairless, sort of boyish-looking gay boy. Do you know how He's funny like really that is? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any idea? Why did you have to say that to me? And then the Andy Cohen. I'll be calling Cohen. that to people in in the audiences. You know, the, what are the, you a twink? Yeah, exactly. That's the new thing. Oh, I Andy love that. Cohen. And the big guys are bears. Yeah. Yeah. Now they just want to be called Tings, right? But Andy Cohen, the guy who runs Bravo, got in trouble. Uh, he was forced to apologize for uh, calling someone Twinks. He had a like, he's, and he's gay. He's a gay guy. And a I love guy. his show. I love that guy. <laughs> a gay guy had to apologize for using the word Twink. I mean, that is goddamn classic. You can't and I love trans. that guy. Trannies you know. either. Trannies, they don't want to be called trannies anymore. Oh, I used to call them so trans testicles. Trans testicles. Well, yeah, yeah that can't. was my joke. I go, you meet the girl of your dreams, right? Like I would start off, I go, you know, first you got these bisexuals. You know, what does that mean? You either suck dick or you don't suck dick, right? What do you get up in the morning? I got to remember this shit. Hey, you know, flip a coin, heads I want, hair pie, tails, balls across the nose. <laughs> and then I go, and now you got these other things, these uh, trans testicles. You meet the girl of your dreams, you whiner, you diner, you put your hand up a skirt, you're holding a fucking tree trunk. <laughs> you know? This is what the guy said, okay? This is how crazy people are today. Andy Cohen, who's the guy's, he's, I guess he's the head of Bravo, I guess. He's always on those shows. He's always, like, acting as a, uh, you know, a Yeah, me- we watched the show. Well, he's, this is what he wrote on Twitter. No joke, I just ro- walked right into One Direction Green Room. I guess One Direction is a band. The blonde dude was shirtless, he says. And then his tweet, he, hashtag holy twink. <laughs> so he's calling the blonde, he said the blonde dude was a twink. He's like, uh, obviously, he's saying he's like a hot little piece of ass. And he had to apologize for that. Misused word earlier. I just meant they're cute. He tried to write that to cover up his tracks. But that's what we've been talking, even you know, because we were talking about it with comedy. But think about that. That's so ridiculous. Yeah, that's like everything you say twink. now, you gotta you know have a, an apology ready. Twink. You know, sh- twink is it? Should you call a press conference? Get behind a fucking podium and go. I'm sorry. I, I called the little hot <laughs> boy a twink. Twink is a contentious word and is sometimes seen as a derogatory definition referring to a certain type of homosexual. Thus, Andy experienced crazy Twitter backlash concerning his comment. What a group of cunts we have. Which is just a bunch of silly cunts. Just silly, dumb people. Yeah, now how come people don't get mad at that word anymore? I don't know. I'm going to use that word till the wheels fall off. I will never give up cunt. I will hold on to cunt. You will pry my dead hands off the word cunt. You know what? You have to apologize to. Like, who was that? Like a binkle? Twinks. You have to apologize to Twinks. (laughs) You have to apologize to the fans, I guess, of the band. That's what he had to apologize for using Uh, that word. But the people were upset that the word twink was a derogatory term. But it's being used by a gay guy. It's like me calling somebody a gay. Yeah, it's it's silly. It's stupid. But check out out those twinkles. I mean, they're they're so adorable. Even in the the craziest (laughs) culture, even in the harshest conditions, most of my family's Italian. If I called someone a crazy guinea and you got mad at me, you can go fuck yourself, okay? Yeah. That's not racist. It's me. I I will tell you, I'm mostly... I'm mostly Guinea, you know, and that's uh, a, a source of all sorts of problems with me biologically. And to say that you can't say that, it's, it's fucking stupid. This guy's a gay guy and he's calling someone a twink. If there's wrong with that, there's no hope for well, the world. Well, that's what I'm saying. People talk, you know what, everybody, like, you, you know, 
we can't have that. It's can't just that. fucking stupid fucking already. Stop it already. You know, you say a little thing, a cute little thing. You know, he was looking at the guy. The guy probably looked. I mean, who dresses <clears throat> better than Andy? Not only that, it's like I mean, he's dressed perfectly. <clears throat> yeah. Every me and my wife watch the show. Well, because we watch all those crazy, you know, housewives. You know, the Miami. You see them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They fight. They're the only ones worth watching. They fight. You know, those Cuban bitches. This they're tropical. Yeah. They'll throw it's like blows. Telemundo that you could understand. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like when, when we go to Florida, my wife will catch me just watching the Telemundo in all the dressing rooms. You know, now you can at least understand what the fuck they're saying. It's ama- amazing that just following idiots around with a camera has become awesome entertainment. But sometimes good. I could take it, sometimes I can't. Yeah, this is me too. You know, because it's, you know, all those shows, it's about the fight now. You know, it's always about the fighting. You, you know, know what I watch, man? All, I'd rather see these chicks banging. All I watch know? these days is Alaska shows. I've been on this crazy Alaska kick for the last couple of months. Because it's like four or five different shows about people trying to survive in Alaska. It's fascinating shit, man. Watching people out there just trying to catch as many salmon as they can freeze. Because they have to realize that it's going to be winter for eight months. That's all I've been watching. So I watch that, and then I watch like the Real Housewives shows, and they look so stupid because their issues are so small. Like in the Alaska shows, they're like, "I gotta yeah, go that, shoot a you bear." Can't, you today. can't compare, you know, yeah. you but, know, but, real life shit to, uh, you know. Well, you called me what a I big think. name, and you know, I'm not gonna stand for that. And then the one with the boyfriend that just is fucking everything. Behind her back, but we love each other. Shut up and fuck somebody else already. <laughs> Let's start a new storyline here. Why do I got to see 13 episodes of you fighting with a, a guy that owns nightclubs about other chicks? Didn't you yeah. know what you were getting involved in? Didn't you use your fucking head for a split second already? Yeah, you silly bitch. You know, that's, that's what goes on with these girls. It's yeah. like, just stop. He's not for you. Bang somebody else already. Well, it's just interesting that that would even be entertaining to people. But you know, it is. That we would it really is. Because find so much pleasure. It's almost like seeing so two people get out of their cars and start an argument. You're going to watch it. But when I watch the difference between those shows and these Alaska shows, these subsistence living shows that but I watch, But how do you even put that with that? But I do because it's humans. I'm just watching humans in Alaska live their life. Yeah, just like I'm watching to humans survive. in Miami live their life. They're living, looking to survive, too. The problem is, my, what I think is that all their, their, their natural needs have been taken care of as far as, like, gathering food, having a place, a shelter, being protected from yeah, the elements. They don't have inter- to worry about that shit. But that's interesting to so watch. So because they don't have to worry about sh- that shit, then they concentrate on, this bitch says something to me, and I'm going to cut her. Because they're always fucking drunk. That too. Every fucking show, every rea- I don't want to get angry over reality shows. But every one of them, you know, well, let's meet for breakfast, and they're opening up Dom. Right. You know, why are we drinking at breakfast? Because you don't have to go collect caribou. Yeah, and all of them, <laughs> that's, that's right. You, you're not cutting a hole in the fucking ice. If you have to go out there and go shoot a bear, otherwise you have no meat in your freezer, that's a completely different situation. You that's interesting. Worry. Yeah, it's what it is. You know, I can't feel bad, you know, for a girl that's living in an 18,000 square foot home you know, drinking liquor for breakfast, you know, but I could feel bad for the, you know, the little Alaskan guy that might fall through the ice. I feel like if I had to choose between living with those cunts in Miami or living in Alaska, I would live in Alaska. I'd have to go with the Miami thing. I don't think I would be able, if I had to live with them, if you had to live in a house with those people or live in Alaska. It's still a chick. They're, they're so dumb. 
there's so much dumbness. There's so much where you would just like, I'm going to have to hypnotize you people and start from scratch. There's, there's only one way. We're going to have to race your mind, and I'm going to have to program you. I'm going to get a, you ever I'm watch, bring uh, an ecstasy. I'll tell, you a show. I'll tell you a show you would like, because it reminds me of you, the way they explain everything happening. Um, what is it? I shouldn't have been around there, but I was. What, what's the name? <laughs> <laughs> Valerie. That you should know, be the title I, of your next album. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be around alive. there. Yeah, but I, I always was. forget the exact. I, I, she knows. I what shouldn't is, be alive. I shouldn't be alive. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like you know what I mean. <laughs> I shouldn't have been around there, but I was. Yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't you know. Alive. They decide. Hey, what, what a beautiful day! I'm going to climb the biggest mountain in the world. Yeah, whoops. thinking you know this is going to go off without a hitch. Well, that guy who had a cut through his fucking arm. The guy who got stuck under that rock. And they made a movie about him. Oh cut, yeah, cut James Franco movie. Jesus fucking. No, but Christ. have you watched the show I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, I've seen it. Many yeah, times. and they yeah. explain things like yeah. you. I always go back to salt. You know. Salt. You know, mineral. Oh, there's a mineral? Yeah. <laughs> that lady that's still probably sitting there shaking. <laughs> you know. That monster? I never saw it. I get so She's mad a, over that, The woman's a monster. She was a monster all night. She was a monster in the audience. She was a monster. Oh, was she? Oh, and yeah. she was like a, a middle-aged lady, right? No, no. She was like late 30s, overweight, angry. No, but that's what I'm saying. And, and you weren't even looking at her, and she was like talking to somebody else. About salt and what'd she call it again? Oh no, she was telling everybody how terrible that salt, salt isn't is good for you. And, and like... he's just sitting, minding his own business, and all of a sudden, the rage—you know—it was like a show off the stage. He goes, "What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what do you know about anything?" Like he knew her, like she knows nothing about anything. He goes, "It's a fucking mineral." You tell this story every time you because do a I love with because us. you didn't see your face. That was the beauty of yeah, that. Yeah, and to I me. explained to you that that cunt had been a problem all night. She'd I know, been a but I always forget night. that part. Yeah, that part's not as interesting. You know, the, you, but when you, you know when she was telling people about salt, but you shouldn't have any salt in your diet, and I was like, what, it's, a, "It's a central mineral, stupid!" Like, what are you talking about? That's how it started. Yeah, and then you got well, angry. She threw a cigarette at me. Then it was Rogan mean. She oh, but I wasn't that, there yeah. for that. I wasn't there yeah, for that. Yeah, that was when it got But you know, my other thing. I know I bring that up all the time, <laughs> but I like the way you break things down. Is what I'm saying. That's why I was really, like, on the show, like, uh, I, I shouldn't, shouldn't have been around alive. there, but I was. <laughs> like, they break it down, like, everything that's happening to the person, and I know you really understand those things. That show's a bad show. That I'll show. tell you a thing I like to do on different shows with, with the same guy, like, if it's the same host of a radio show or something. I love to congratulate them on their wife's pregnancy, knowing there is none. You know, and after the second time, the guy would be like, Dice, you, you said this last time. My wife isn't pregnant. And I go, no, would, would she have the baby? And he's going, she was never pregnant. We don't even want kids. And they get angry about it. And I'll just stay on it every time I come on. <laughs> but that's purposely. Well, you would have these little I love things, to affect people. These little gags that you would run at the store. We'd have t- people like acting out certain things <laughs> yeah. and you were videotaping it with cameras. So you'd like get off stage and there was like a play going on in yeah. the fucking hallway. You're like, what? what is happening You got to see those tapes, I'm telling you. What do you do with all those tapes? Nothing. <laughs> this is what I think the podcast would be. I just love filming it. And this is what the, I think your podcast And Tom be. Green always calls me up. He goes, let's film something. And I'm like, for what? All I do is film. 
Because he likes doing that shit too, but he'll actually air it somewhere. He'll put it somewhere. How, how, how awesome would this be if you had, you just had a humongous box of tapes behind you, all random, and each podcast at the beginning, you just grabbed one, put it in, you kind of gave like a commentary while it's going on, like, oh, this is from, you know, the comedy store. Obviously, let's see what's going on here. Well, and, you know, well what I was doing there, no, that's, that's actually funny, but there was sense to those tapes. You know, even though it seemed like when he, because uh, Joe would ask me, he goes, what are you doing with the camera? And I'm like, I'm filming the show. But there was no show. But yet I was making it a show. Yeah. And I really just loved, so when I'd come to the comedy store, you know, I'd start kicking weight. And the show is going on in the original room. I used the store as my set, you know, and like the newer comics at the time, like uh, like Steve Renazizi, you know, Ari, uh, Bobby Lee. These were like the, the new generation of comics coming. So I, w- I would film all these guys, and they couldn't wait for me to get there because they never knew what they had to do, and I would tell them exactly what I need them to say, you know, and I would say, all right, you wait four seconds, and you say it exactly. Like, they didn't even have a choice as how to say it as an actor. But why didn't you do something with it all? What am I going to do? But it's, you, you spent so much time, we were looking forward to it. You like, have no like idea Ari's how I... always I'm... like, well, one day Dice is going to release it. And we're like, oh, okay. One day. Well, well, well my, my son that. Max says, you know, we, we gotta, these are the lost tapes we got to call them and start putting things on like YouTube, have them edited into little, because there were always scenarios going on. How many hours of footage do you have? Oh, Thousands. <laughs> thousands. <laughs> That's you know, just madness. I have this uh, this because uh, I did film a lot of stuff career wise. That I'm there's this young filmmaker. His name's John Myers, and he's he's putting together. He's logging all my footage now to make a you know documentary movie. That's awesome. You know, but I filmed you know all the way back. Like first it was all you know the big shows, <laughs> being on the road, all of it. I'd get my home life. That's how I started with practicing just filming myself without a crew and the special comes out this monday night new year's eve is monday night right new year's eve this monday night on showtime what time is it 10 p.m 10 p.m and uh and so it's over at 11 it's a one hour show yeah so set your dvrs if you're not going to be home if you're out partying set your dvrs and check it out that show that i saw in vegas was fucking awesome me one of the best comedy shows i've seen in a long time last 10 years thank you red band we we fucking howled it was really fun it was it was was just a fun night with you guys hanging out it was we had a great time it was old school dice and it was you know anthony cumia and jim norton and sam it was we had a great crew bobby kelly was there too i loved that You, you made me like love that guy now Bobby Kelly yeah because oh, I didn't know him up to that point he's the best yeah. you know and Sweet just a guy. nice guy yeah. you know what I mean very very and of course I had nice to fuck guy. with him at the beginning <laughs> when he wanted to, yeah can I get a picture for what yeah <laughs> you know we don't know each other you know <laughs> like why would you want a picture of us like in a book you know <clears throat> and then I took like 20 of them with him yeah you know he loves you that that show was fucking phenomenal and that's going to be the basically the same set as the well, New Year's? no, it's it's more intense than what you saw. I would, but, have but I mean the same material. Yeah, a lot of the same material. So it's fucking great, great, great stuff. And it's like I said, it's old school dice. It's really like going back to some of your uh, your earlier. Uh, well, it's work. it's keeping the voice. Yeah, like they would say, and just you know, pounding on people. Aggressive. I mean, offensive. that's well, yeah. I got pretty aggressive with yeah. some guy in the front row that wanted to talk when I'm doing you know filming a sp- yeah. you know, and I had to threaten him, but I left it in, <laughs> you know. You know, because I know people watching are going to look and go, yeah. he's threatening to choke this guy, yeah. you know. 
It was great stuff. It's great material, and no, uh, if you. it's even better than that, then the show that I saw oh in Vegas, God. it's going to yeah, be because I, I still had months after you were there, yeah. so other bits came up. I appreciate that, man. I really appreciate guys who are disciplined and who really work at stuff and work at putting together a real set. And I know you do, and I, I love the fact that you're really into doing comedy again. I love the fact that when I talk to you about it, you're all excited about it. You can see it when you're performing. Yeah, I get pumped up when I'm coming. Here. <clears throat> it's very fun. Oh, we get pumped up to have you. Follow Dice on Twitter. It's the real Dice Clay. One word: the real Dice Clay on Twitter. Everyone else is a phony. How many phony guys you got on Twitter? A lot of them. That's why even uh, on my what's uh, babe, the new site again? What's it called? Yeah, Andrew Dice Clay official is my page. You know, is there another AndrewDiceClay.com? Well, yeah, there's phonies out there. That's what I'm saying. So we have <laughs> the name. That's why it's Andrew Dice Clay official. But AndrewDiceClay.com, do you own that? Yes. You have Yeah. That. Yeah, okay. So, but official. So, if they want to go to your the website, there you go. Bam. Andrew Dice Clay official, and it's the real Andrew, no, the real Dice Clay. The real Dice Clay on is Twitter. The Twitter. And if you can't find it, just go to my Twitter. I just retweeted it, or I just tweeted it out there. Um, so, hey, uh, what's LA Rock's Twitter? Do you know? LA Rocks the Band. LA, LA Rocks the, the Band. band. So, yes. go follow those two, you fucks. Yeah, see if Thank you very much, brother. Thank Good you. Good luck on New Year's Eve. It's going to be awesome. I and can't let's wait to all see have it. a happy New Year Fuck and yeah. kick ass in 2013. Indeed. And I'm, I'm so excited to see you out there. Just fucking and I'm bringing you laying into them, it. Laying them down again. That's it's beautiful. Good. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Onnit for sponsoring the show. Go to O-N-N-I-T. Use the code name Rogan and save yourself 10% off. Thanks to Desquad. Go to Desquad.tv to find future comedy dates. It's linked to pretty much all of us. Um, and, and then the Friday T-shirts. Show. And, Friday and then show. Friday show at the Ice House. Yeah, it's uh, uh, 10 o'clock. Tickets are on sale at icehousecomedy.com. We are you allowed bu- to say Doug Benson's name yet? Uh, uh, no. We're not. Oops. All right. So he, uh, Nick Rutherford, Kevin Christie, Tony Hinchcliffe, and we got a couple surprises. that couple surprises that may, what do you, may not be what Doug do you, Benson. Wait a minute. What do you headline that every Friday? No, no. Uh, this Friday I'm in Vegas. I'm doing the UFC in Vegas. But you're always bringing that up. Do you normally do that? Yeah, we do the Ice House all the time. We, we so you got to let like me know. I'll get, you know, when I'm in town, I'll just come do a Set. Come Friday okay. if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do a pro- podcast Friday with. Doug I won't Benson. be there though. No, but not even. A, but he yeah. does. You go on stage, right? Yeah, I, I won't be there this week. No, not this but, week. But um, I'm saying I always see you bring it up. So yeah, I, we do I it a lot of it. times on weekdays. <clears throat> a lot of like a lot of like Wednesday, a Wednesday nights night. and stuff like that. Cool. But, but I will, I'll have some other weekends coming up. Uh, I think at the Ice House as well because I got a, a, a few weeks off in January. I and should do a weekend there. I never played it. Yeah. If you ever want to, let me know. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful. It's like the comic store without all the cuntiness. Like, everyone's nice uh-huh. there, and the, the owner's sweet, and everybody's, like, really happy to have you there. And the crowds are phenomenal. They're, like, they're Pasadena's, like, they're not, like, city people. They're, like, a little bit more relaxed. They're, they're, and it's, it's a loose fucking crowd. They're fun. One of my favorite places ever. Yeah, really yeah you you love the shit out of that place. All right, all right, fuckers. We'll see you uh, next week with uh, guests to be named at a future date. But we got a lot of fun people. We're going to have a good time. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the podcast. Thanks for all the positive feedback about my comedy special. I appreciate the fuck out of you paying five bucks for it. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to get so much support and so much love, and we send it right back at you. All right? So go fuck yourself, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.